Episode 116. This is Mitch Unfiltered. You know what that reminds me of every time, right? I did it for that I exact appreciate that. reason. Thank you very much. Yeah. That's a tough one. Oh. A tough one. A big part of my life. I mean, I love Jeopardy. Who doesn't, right? He's been around. He's just been the guy. Pancreatic yeah. cancer. Yeah. March of 2019. He lived over a year with it. In fact, almost two years with it. Yeah, and his joke was... I have a three-year contract I, I have to work <laughs> I mean you know I gotta I gotta honor this contract uh, that was a bummer news on Sunday to wake up to yeah. Alex Trebek at age 80 losing his fight with cancer and then the rest of the, the the day did not unfold great for Seahawks fans that's for sure but wait before we get there, before we get there yeah yeah let's have a little fun for a second finally well I don't I'm know. ready for fun I don't know I don't know if this is fun <laughs> hey Mitchie this is your favorite ice cream shop owner asking for a little help my friend Jeffrey Okay. Jeffrey Hemmen. He's not really my friend. I mean, he's my acquaintance. Yeah. He actually owns a, uh, a, a Cold Stone Creamery oh, now we're talking. nearby here. Really? Yeah. And I see him there every once in a while, and I know that he's a patron. I, I need a little help. I feel like I'm missing something, he writes, with the sniff you guys do <laughs> frequently when making your jokes. People tuning in for Seahawk Talk. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I even heard other famous radio hosts, other famous oh. radio hosts. Thank you, Jeffrey. Yeah, good to know. And then he writes, with national shows, make a similar noise in similar scenarios. I asked a friend of mine who's also a fan, and he also has no idea where or how it started or to whom the homage was paid. At some point on one of your shows, would you kindly throw a bone and explain to us knuckleheads about the reference of the origin and the reason for the sniff? Signed, Jeff. Well, before you do that, let him know it's going to cost him two larges with four <laughs> toppings, and then we'll diverge. Are they called toppings at Cold Stone, or do they go in the ice cream? Do they they actually put it yeah, in the ice cream on in. the slab, on Ma the marble slab? Oh, yeah. brilliant. Oh, I don't yeah. think it's, yeah, maybe it's called mix-ins, or I think I it has its own I name. I don't know. Maybe It is good, it. though. Yeah. I have my own. Very, very good. Graham cracker, cherry pie filling, that's my move. Now, I have to question... I have to question why Jeffrey doesn't know the answer to this question. If he was a really true blue Mitch Unfiltered fan, Ooh, true. he would know this because we have discussed this on the show. Somebody skipped a few episodes, it sounds Somebody's like. Somebody's going to be going to Baskin-Robbins the next couple of times. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we have discussed this, maybe not a lot, and we do two and a half hour shows. So I guess we can part. And my guess is that as I read this, there's probably some others going, yeah, me too. I want to know where it yeah, came for from. for sure. But they're too embarrassed to admit it. Yeah. Uh -huh. Maybe we should either either explain it or we can just refer back to the, I don't have the episode. I don't know either. We've, we've talked about it a couple times. Though, well, you brought something up that I didn't have any idea. I've been doing it for years. Yeah. Probably 20 years I've been doing it. I even do, and I'm not talking about on the air. I do it with my kids. Yeah. I do it with my wife. When I crack a joke, very, I think, I don't even know that I'm doing it. I I, I do that. Yeah, that's my daughter's cue that I'm I'm goofing around. Yeah, so she knows I'm not serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my, my wife yeah. even says, "Okay, you heard the sniff, right? Like, yeah. what are you upset about? Get to work. Yeah, Get, you know, <laughs> right. something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clean the dishes. Yep. You know, with the sniff. <laughs> now, I can't speak for you. You brought up a you brought up a reference to Almost Live. Correct. Right. Yeah, with Joel McHale, who got his start on Almost Live, which. For those that don't know, was a former, local... Former guest on Mitch Unfiltered, Joel McHale. Former, yeah, former Mercer Island I wonder how Islander. he feels after watching the Seahawks in Buffalo. Huge Seahawks fan. Huge fan, yeah. Mercer yeah. Island guy, went yeah. to UW. Yeah. But there was a sketch on Almost Live where they, guys were sitting around the break room bragging to each other, and it just kept getting more and more braggier. And with, with every brag, the sniff got longer. Yeah. Like self-satisfying. Yeah. But, I mean, they were going... 
Like yeah. that, I'm surprised they didn't hyperventilate. <laughs> it was really funny. Like right. I, I got a boat. I bought a you know, and the guy's like, well, I got myself a 32 foot boat. And the sniff afterwards, and it was sniff. But like is long. that is that where you got it? No, I from think I that? got it from. Well, I I think you may have told me like in '95 or '96. Okay. I remember you doing it on the radio show. For those people who are old enough to remember, maybe you're not old enough to remember, there was a show a long time ago called The Andy Griffith Show. Correct. And the best character, and it starred Andy Griffith and Ron Howard as Opie. I mean, it was an unbelievable cast, but the the guy who stole the show was the deputy, Barney Fife. Correct. Played by... Don Knotts. Don Knotts. Yeah. Really one of the great underrated kind of comedic character actors that we've ever had he's been gone for a long time very very funny and if you go back and watch the andy griffith show he was super funny even though he wasn't trying to be funny every time he said something that you know where he was trying to get a point across or he was funny or what have you he would go after he was and sometimes hey andy you want to go for dinner with mary beth or mary lou You know, you know, he he, sni- he was always sniffing, <laughs> sniffling after he made kind of a comment, either in jest or just a comment, or when he was teaching Opie something. You know, he'd get, you know, he put. He was yeah. just. He, he was. was just, he was. It just says firm. here he was outwardly smug and self-important. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what he was. And that's when he sniffed. And that's. I, I can only speak for myself. That's where I got it. Now maybe there are comedians that do it, like actual. I'm not a comedian, but maybe there are people that go up on stage. You've tried to go up on stage that actually oh. have something that they like. It's the same thing as Don Rickles. We always talk about Don Rickles. He used to say, anyway, yeah. at the end of jokes. But I'll tell you this, or anyway, he had anyway, two of them. Yeah, yeah he, he'd he say something to Carson that was so funny, and then he'd go, anyway, right. that was his sniff. That's how you knew he was joking. Right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That was like his thing that's after right. he would crack a joke. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so that's that's I mean, that's the best ex- explanation I can give Jeffrey Hammond. Yeah, I feel like you've been doing it for a while, though. I mean, when I was running the board oh. for you in 95, 96, you were yeah. going through yeah. all this, explaining <laughs> where it came from and the whole thing. So yeah, it's been around for a while. Best explanation I can give you. It's a good one. Mama always said there were going to be Sundays like this, which yeah. is funny because my mother never said that. <laughs> yeah, my mom was I don't, interested in my feelings or how I felt or anything. My mother never <laughs> said that, but somebody once said it, and yeah. we've been repeating it ever since, and and so it was not a good not a good day for Seahawks fans uh, in the Pacific Northwest or beyond. Wherever the 12s are, the Buffalo Bills game was not a good game, and we will talk a lot about that, but I think that we should – get the show started. We have, this is a tease. Right, yes, yes. I don't really want to talk too much about the Seahawks and the tease, except I will say to you okay. that upon the clock striking 0-0-0 in Phoenix, Glendale, Arizona on Sunday, which would have been about 4.30 Pacific time, not when it struck zero in Buffalo, when it struck zero in Glendale, Arizona, yeah. between the Dolphins and the Cardinals, my phone lit up with a text from my older brother. Okay. Lifelong Dolphins fan. He'll yeah. tell you he's the biggest Dolphins fan that there is. Still, huh? And the, Good for him. Yeah, and the text was a very simple text. It said, quote, we did our part, quote, dot, dot, dot. Why can't you do yours? It's fair. It's totally fair. You, would have, he would have, you and him would have loved a Bill's loss, wouldn't you? Would have loved it. Yeah, oh. it's true. They held up their end of the bargain. So the Finzies sweep... The Niners, Rams, and Cardinals beat all three of them for you. And they got the Niners before the Niners were decimated. I mean, they were better when they got. Oh them, yeah, right? yeah, they were they were they were flying high. I think the Niners were flying yeah. high. 
And, uh, yeah, and then they beat up on the Rams, and then they went to the Cardinals on Sunday, and they are the best friend. And I, I don't know why I keep thinking about the scene from Stripes. Do you, are you a Stripes fan? Of course I'm a By the is way. Is anybody not a Stripes fan? It's the best 80, first 80% of the movie is the, my favorite comedy. It's one of the best comedies. The last part, it just got weird with the, with the RV <laughs> and Russia. And I, it's like they didn't have an ending. Do you remember that? Everyone just forgets about how I it ended. I don't really remember. Yeah, there's the a reason end. you don't. It just was weird. It was really weird. Well, I've been saying every too. week that the Dolphins do something good for the Seahawks, I tweet out a little tease, you know, like a tease. Hey, who's your best friend? Who's your best pal? And there was that scene where I think it's Bill Murray's character or Harold Ray. I think it's Bill Murray's character picks up the the female officer and puts her on the stove yeah, yeah. on the sto- on the stove. Also, if I'm not mistaken, the woman from Airplane, the stewardess from Airplane, I think could have been. I think it's the same. Could have been same like woman. Jill Haggerty or something. Haggerty, Jill, yeah. Does that sound about right? It does. I don't know yes. who played the role, but everybody who knows Stripes knows the scene. Yeah. And he said, "Have you ever had the Aunt Jemima treatment?" <laughs> right. Now, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but that's what the that's what the movie says. And he and he's like treating her like a pancake, and he says to her. Who's your best friend? Who's your best pal? (laughs) And to get her to say that he is. Yes, that's right. And that's what I think of. Don't ask me why. That's what I think of when I think of the Seahawks, the favorite of the Seahawks that the Finns did for them over three weeks of the 2020 season. Who's your best pal? Who's your favorite friend? Because the Seahawks, as of the time that we're recording this, are still in first place in the NFC West. Would not have been had the Cardinals beaten the Dolphins. The Seahawks would not be in first place in the NFC West and would have dropped all the way from a number one seed to a wild card. Wow. Had the Cardinals beaten the Dolphins, but they didn't. Yeah, they didn't. As, a, as of the moment that we're recording this, now the, the Buccaneers and the Saints are playing, so we don't know what the Bucs are going to do. But at the time of this recording, the Seahawks are still number one in the NFC West. And, of course, on the patron show coming up, we'll have the uh, – We'll have Mr. P, and we'll have the tail of the tape and all that good stuff. Stripes, by the way, reminds me of something. When I was a kid, I loved that movie, which it's probably not appropriate for kids. No, it's okay. definitely not appropriate okay. for kids. But there was no filter on my mom growing up. She Darn didn't. Candy was so funny in that movie. But talk about a guy we didn't get enough out of. Oh, my God. Could we use him in movies still? I mean, he's hilarious, Is right? there a movie on this flight? <laughs> Remember him getting <laughs> yeah. on the bus? Is there a movie on this flight? Oh, is there a movie? And he repeats his jokes. I he, love that. He calls <laughs> the guy Eisenhower. <laughs> hey, Eisenhower. The, the best. Uh, there's so many good parts, but when he says, <laughs> yeah, doctors say I got a bit of a weight problem, they all go, no. <laughs> like, yeah, we can tell. <laughs> so funny. By the way, I don't think Julie Haggerty was in it. I thought she was in Stripes uh, for some reason. I know who you're referring to. And Sean maybe, Young. And maybe? maybe Sean Young was not in Airplane, but, no, but Sean stripes. Young was in Stripes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but when I was a kid, fourth grade birthday, we had that movie playing. I had a slumber party with a bunch of friends, and my mom rented that movie for us. And turns out Brenda okay. Brenda got a few calls the next couple okay, days Brenda, from parents. <laughs> can we discuss this? Stripes for a, first, a fourth grade sleepover party? Yeah. Looking back, I told my wife, who's just outraged. She can't even laugh about it. Like, what was your mom doing? Yeah, my mom just, for whatever reason, had, uh-huh. just didn't care what I watched. Maybe because I was a boy. But you wouldn't have chosen this know. movie. She chose it. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. But, I mean, it was a comedy. I think she just saw comedy. It's hey, let's John just Candy. Put a, let's just put a comedy on for yeah, the boys Bill, while they're asleep. And let me go do something else. Who knew there was a topless bar and mud wrestling and oh, all? God. So not appropriate. John Candy again. Yeah, John Candy. That's right. He's doing the... Yeah. My mom also took me to Rocky Three when I was eight. Okay, Rocky Three, Great. I wanted to see it, Mr. T. But it would have been nice to check the paper to see if it's still playing in theaters, but... 
that might have been a bridge too far for my mom to do. So we just show up at the theater like, hey, let's go to Rocky Three. Well, it wasn't in theaters anymore. So we're like, ah, crap. My mom's like, well, there's one starting in 15 minutes called Poltergeist. Why don't, why don't we go see Poltergeist? <laughs> I'm eight. I'm eight years old. It came out in 82. Scared the living shit out of me. I don't know if you know that movie at all. Oh, I remember the movie. Look at the clown. He gets oh, the kid around the oh. neck. I stood up and screamed. Like my mom. I don't know oh, what she God. was doing. Maybe that explains a lot about me. That probably explains oh. a lot. But rest in peace to Brenda. Not great yeah, choices when it comes to movies. But still funny. <laughs> Subscribe and listen anywhere the podcasts are found. This is Mitch Unfiltered, episode 116. By the way, become a Mitch Unfiltered patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. It costs you $5 a week. Now you're saying to yourself, self, <laughs> what do I get for $5 a week? I get this great show that they do on Mondays. It takes me six years to listen to one. Yeah. It's too long. What do I need more for? Well... Every week we do the Peace Show, which is another full-fledged show. Every week I do now, and we do now, the Mr. Playoffs and Tale of the Tape, separate podcast. So every week we do we do a preview of the upcoming Seahawks game with a Tale of the Tape, and we do the, the current Mr. Playoffs, full-fledged Mr. Playoffs. If the season ended today, which it doesn't, it's stupid to even talk about. We do that yep. on its own pod That's right. for the patrons. We do what I call the Seahawks No Table with Brady Henderson and Joe Fan and me, and we have guests. They cover the Seahawks, so we do like a 45- to 50-minute commercial-free kind of roundtable conversation on where the Seahawks, the Seahawks issues of the week and a preview of the upcoming game. We do that on the patron site. Yep. Um, we do Crab Cakes Kenny Z, which is a fantasy football league mm. weekly advice show. I was hopeful that we wouldn't go a second week without a, another guitar interview. We're supposed to be doing guitar interviews every single week. <laughs> yes. Hotshot's supposed to be doing his his thing, Hotshot's Corner. Like That's right. Having your own corner, but you've done nothing. I'm dialing into that Hogan movie, Hulk Hogan movie. I'm going to try to get someone on okay. from there. Yeah, yeah. I'm, really? I'm trying. Yeah. There's I'm, other topics, you know. You've got a lot to say about a lot of things. Why don't you just get on and talk about Brenda? Spe- oh, yeah. Why don't you just do a segment on Brenda? It's too bad she's not around because she was, she's a little... She's a, she That's was kind a of why I think I wanted to get your sister on once. Yeah, she's nuts too. My guess, I, I, and I have no reason to know that because I don't know her and I don't know your mom, but... There was something something outspoken about your sister yeah. that, that just strikes me that she may be outspoken and great on a podcast. She's very outspoken. She'll, no filter, right? No sense. Oh no, no, no. See, that's what we like. No f bombs. I'd have to. Oh. Like, I'd have to like <laughs> calm her down a bit. Uh, tattoos, uh, Harley's, ATVs. Really? Yeah, cigarettes, oh. beer. You know, oh. she's she's that one. Yeah, oh. yeah. I'd have to kind of like okay, don't keep the f bombs to minimum, but yeah. Hey, by the way, speaking of wrestling. I, in long podcasts, I was like, oh, yeah, Jim Cornette, the former manager of the Midnight Express. I don't know. You have no is. idea who that is. I, I've never heard that name in my life. I was like, oh, he's got a podcast. I'm going to check it out. I found an episode. Four hours and 13 minutes. So ours are short. <laughs> ours are miniature. I was like, but I was like, I can't. I can't even. I can't even start. Four hours. This guy talked. Well, at this point, <laughs> Steve Dion is going, hurry oh, yeah, up, yeah, yeah, guys. Sorry. It's the tease. Right. You haven't started the show. Beat the boys presented by Fireside Home Solutions. We've got the third game going on as we record this. Did you have Baltimore over Indianapolis? Of course I did. I'm going to need a little ding. Yes. There you go. So did I. Did you have the Cardinals over the Dolphins? Of course I did. I had the loser. Of course. Oh, I had you the had the Cardinals over the Dolphins. Yeah, of course. How about the fact that I didn't have enough guts to pick the Dolphins? I got to say, somebody reached out to me and said, "I can't believe Mitch picked against you know, his I'm, team." I'm, didn't I, have I, the guts. I th- said, th- "I think, I think, you know, I can separate head from heart." And I just thought the Cardinals were going to win the game. Yeah. So I picked the Cardinals. Yeah. And I went down with the Cardinals. You're supposed to bet with your head, not your heart. So you did the right thing. 
No, I don't know that I did the right thing. I lost. Oh, yeah, he lost, I guess. <laughs> well, it looked good before the game, at least. It made sense to me, too. That and it looked no good way. during the game. There was a, a good portion of that game where I thought, oh, the Cardinals are going to win. But the Dolphins figured out a, a way it to win. It was back and forth, right? I would look up and yes, see the Cardinals. really like, good game. Very exciting game yeah. to watch. Very exciting. Kyler Murray, just spectacular in defeat. Spectacular. Two a pretty good. Maybe better than pretty good. That's his second I, I win. Would say, I would say, I would say, yes, better than pretty okay. good. I would say very good. Not as good as Kyler Murray, but yeah. ve- for a second start, right? Plenty. He's two and zero. Dolphins are winning. If the Seahawks could have helped out on Sunday, it'd be good. He's also two and zero against Kyler Murray in his life. Oh, because he beat him. No, he's two and one. Is he? Yeah, because he lost one biggie. The Heisman Trophy. Oh, okay. I meant in games. Yes, he, <laughs> he did lose that, yes. 2-0 and on the field, though, against Kyler Murray. All right, this upcoming week is Week 10 and Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. Start your, your search for a new fireplace with Fireside Home Solutions. Here are your three games coming up that I'm going to choose for the, uh, the picks. Okay. you got to pick the Chargers-Dolphins next week. you got to pick the Bills at the Cardinals. Ooh. The Bills at one. the Cardinals, and you got to pick the Vikings at the Bears on Monday Night Football. And the only way you can make any pick on the Beat the Boys contest is by knowing the code word. And the code word is, Hotshot. Yes. Norton. <laughs> you troll. <laughs> Such a troll. You had to do that, didn't you? All right, I'm writing it down. You, do you really have to write it down? Yeah, I've kind of blocked him out. Norton. So I'm going to need to write that down. Yeah. Norton is the code word. You know, like, hey, Norton. Yeah, I was like thinking, from I was, the Honeymooners. I was thinking of the, I don't know who you're thinking of. Well, the, the computer software guy. Computer software. Yeah. There he, was a heavyweight who was fantastic. His name was Kenny Norton. Oh, he was, he was great. So Bill, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if you called me a troll. I don't know exactly what yeah. you're referring to. But the code word is Norton. I just watched a movie with Ed Norton in it. He was really <laughs> Ed good. Ed Norton. Yeah. Didn't he do like a card movie, like a betting movie? Oh, Rounders. Oh, Rounders. Have you seen it? Yeah. Long re- time ago. Really good. I haven't seen him lately. Did he like disappear off the scene? Yeah, I think he did. He retire or did nobody want him anymore? He no, was like a really good, really I don't good think actor. It's either of those things, he's oh. sought after, but I think he's careful about what he picks. He's very careful. He doesn't just take. He doesn't just cash in. It appears. Yeah, like he was the Hulk in the first Hulk standalone movie. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Uh, Incredible Hulk. Oh, uh, Lou, Lou Ferrigno. I'll bring it down to what you might. Yeah, remember. I remember the TV show. I didn't know there was a movie. Okay, you've heard Was of the there Avengers a comic strip too, maybe. You, you, yeah, <laughs> you know the most successful movie of all time, The Avengers. It has the Hulk in it. Does you know? it? And he's it. He's well, no, the Hulk? I was going to say he did the first one. He was offered yeah. the second. And he passed, and he could have been in the Avengers. He could have just been cashing, and he just passed for whatever reason. Weird dude, but he is a great actor. I just watched him in Red Dragon. That's the movie. Is Lou Ferrigno still alive today? He is, as a matter of fact. You would know. He was on Celebrity Apprentice at one point. He was Donald Trump's show. Yeah. Who? Some guy named Donald Trump. Was the host. He was the host, yeah. Will he be TV the host guy. again someday? Maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Will Donald Trump get a TV show if he wants one? I think so. He's got... Can a, can a president, can a former president have a TV show? What's the rules on that? Well... Can you have like a regular like hour-long TV show if you're the, the former president of the United States? I don't think there's any. I don't yeah, want to get. Po- I don't want to get political now. But but he's got seventy million people who voted and like sixty million on Twitter. He should be leveraging that audience. He should get a TV show. People would watch it. Yeah, that's a good. See, I should be running his life. I at should least, be his business manager. At least forty-five million of those seventy million would would watch it. You would think. You know, yeah, you would think. Yeah, yeah. maybe about yeah. half. Yeah. Guests on episode one hundred and sixteen coming up. Okay. Uh, the normals: Brady Henderson, Hotshot Scott, Rick Neuheisel, and a man named Rob Huntsey.
Okay. Is going to be on episode 116. I know you want to hear from Rob. Rob's a 40-year-old insurance man in St. Louis, Missouri. You looking forward to hearing from him? Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. I go to insurance seminars on the weekends when I have nothing to do. And so. you're not curious as to who Rob Huntsey is? <laughs> of course I'm curious. Or do yes. you know who Rob Huntsey is? I don't. Rob Huntsey, a week and a half, two weeks ago, won a million dollars by picking a fantasy team on DraftKings. Okay. He had the best fantasy team in the country or in the world, and he won a million dollars. And then he celebrated, took his dog out for a walk, and by the time he got back with his dog, they had changed a stat, and he had lost 997000 of the million dollars. It went down to $3,000, all because they changed one obscure stat of a Monday night football game from a sack to a – they decided it was a running play for the quarterback, a negative yards running play instead of a sack. And he had the defense or the defensive player, oh. and he went from winning a million dollars – and calling all of his friends and buddies and his family and his mother and his father in celebration oh. while he was on that walk to coming back and refreshing his screen and finding out. Wah, wah. <laughs> what, do we know what he went down to from first? Yeah, he went down to like a tie for like a six-way tie for six that he made three grand. Six is three grand, but first is a million? You got to finish first by yourself to win a million. Okay. If you finish first in like a five-way tie, you split the million okay. with those five people. And he finished... He finished like sixth or eighth oh, or ninth. What a crusher. All because of one stat adjustment, like, an, as I said, an obscure stat adjustment. He lost, And he's going to be on the show. He's well, going to be on I'm, episode. He's going to laugh about it with us really? on the show. He's got a great sense of humor, great personality. Trust me, it's not it's not all that bad. I'd still be in a fetal he, he, position. He, yeah, you probably in the shower. He's crying. convinced he's going to win again, so it doesn't matter. Oh, good. Yeah, that's how good he is. Yeah, and then when, uh, when Dan Marino went to the Super Bowl in 84... You were convinced they were going to go back and win the next year. So that's typically how that works. Yep. Was that Sniffer Jeffrey? It was, as a matter <laughs> of fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He only went to one, didn't he? No, he, I thought he went to two. I thought he went 83, 84. No. One. His second year that he went against Joe Montana in Palo Alto, California. They were 14 oh, and two. Right. It was and, one. And 49ers were 15 and one. Roger Craig ran all over him. Yeah. Know, just one. Yeah, so the it was year, his second year, and he was going to go back to about twenty of them. But the year before, oh yeah, they got, that was his. Yeah, the the the, the year before against Steisman. No, that was two years. Oh, before. that was eighty two. Okay, yeah, that was, oh, that was wow. before they drafted him. Oh wait, the Seahawks eliminated him in eighty three. David, sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. They only only went to one. <laughs> How could it's I? All that a setup? No, it really wasn't. Did you just set me up? You I just, wish I was like, smart enough. Oh, my God. That, that would have been brilliant. Because if it was, that was one of the great <laughs> setups I've ever heard on radio. I really thought he went in 83. <laughs> That's so funny. You know he didn't go like in 83. My third favorite game of all time. I should have uh, remembered, yeah. The year before was David Woodley. Right, yeah. And John Riggins off a la oh, left tackle. Love John Riggins. He's going to go. Uh, anyway, episode 116, uh, guests Brady Henderson, Rick Neuheisel, and Rob Hunsey. Hot shot before we officially begin episode 116. A couple of words from our partners, our sponsors, like Daniel's Broiler. Did you know that one of the biggest days of the year for Daniel's has always been Thanksgiving? And this year, no different. A tremendous dinner with all the trimmings available at the three open locations. Leshy, South Lake Union, Bellevue Place. They're taking extra precautions to make sure everyone is safe. So you can always enjoy a Daniel's Thanksgiving at home or dine in. If you're not into the whole cooking process, I urge you to consider 
consider Daniel's Broiler a world-class steakhouse. The Kirkland office at Gill Mortgage have any idea what a five- or seven-minute call with Jordan Flowers or a member of his team in Kirkland could save you hundreds and hundreds of dollars a month. I kid you not. Rates are unimaginably low. Pull out cash by refinancing. Stay right where you are in the life of the loan, but just pay less. 30-year fixed rates are in the high twos. Call Jordan or his team at 425-250-3150. Evergreen Golf Call, evergreengk.com to learn what Tyler Hayes' team does. Also hear him on this episode 116. Their newsletter is free for now. Stock market had a big-time winning week in the midst of the election. Look, we can all agree that the pandemic sucks, but there are silver linings, especially in the financial world, and Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager, is there to show you a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. And Zeke's Pizza, dine in at all 17 locations, soon to be 20 with three more on the way, limited capacity, and all the necessary precautions to keep you safe. And it's easier than ever to have Zeke's at your door in no time. Download the Zeke's Pizza app, and then with a few clicks, bam, the Northwest best selection of craft beer and Northwest-style pizza is right at your door, homegrown in the Northwest. Episode 116, ladies and gentlemen, begins right now. Unfiltered. I love the idea of Jets linebacker Avery Williamson being called into the general manager's office and saying, yes, sir. And the man- general manager saying, we-, we just traded you before the deadline. We've really enjoyed your work here in New York for the Jets. We've traded to the Steelers. <laughs> How do you feel? Do you celebrate Uh, right there in front of the Jets general manager, or do uh, you wait till you get out of the office? Unfiltered. Can this team now put Dunlap in there and Snacks in there, and Wagner's got a little bit of momentum, and Adams adds, you know, Adams will be the best defender on their team, even with Bobby Wagner. I mean, can they? Alden Robinson is it? Maybe I'm just in a good mood, and I'm I'm pipe dreaming right now, but could they just... Go from 32 to 27? Mitch is unfiltered. And 16 now officially underway. Do you have any pearls, any thoughts about Alex Trebek? Anything on your mind before we get to what's happening in the world of sports and we, we get to the Seahawks game? We'll spend a segment or two talking about the Seahawks and everything else going on. What did yeah. you what did you feel? I didn't realize that he was I mean, I knew that he had cancer and he had pancreatic cancer, which is the worst kind of cancer. And so I knew I knew that he was sick, but I didn't know that he was like on his, you know, in his final days. Yeah, because he kept working. In fact, he worked up until October 29th. And he looked pretty good, didn't right. he? Yeah, he didn't have that look of like right, it's right. over. Yeah. But he worked up until October 29th, and his last episode is going to air on December 25th, for those that want to watch it. On Christmas Day, that'll be his last episode. So October 29th, and we're recording this on, a, so he died on November the 8th. Wow. I know, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and I was saw an interview with uh, the producer or whatever, and he just said you could tell he was in pain, but he pushed through and he didn't complain, and he just wanted to keep working. He felt wow. obligated to keep doing the show. How yeah. Did he, how was he able to do that physically? Yeah, he was. How did he have the strength to get up and go to work and 
and go on television of all kinds of jobs to go on television. Right. I, I, I'm they, I'm fascinated with his popularity because, as you know, and anybody of age knows, he, he, he way before Jeopardy, he was on a million other. He was a he, he was a you know game show host on a million different shows. Right. Well, he, he introduced himself to U.S. audiences in 1973. He hosted an NBC show called The Wizard of Odds. I don't remember. I don't know it. that one. Yeah, and then he would work on a variety of game shows, including High Rollers. High Rollers. Yeah, yeah, with his classic stash and his curly hair. Yeah, and then he had a brief stint for Chuck Woolery on Wheel of Fortune. Okay, and then Jeopardy came up and Wheel of Fortune, Chuck Woolery. Yeah, I didn't know Chuck Woolery hosted oh, yeah, Wheel of Fortune. I think before now that you Pat say that. Yeah, he was Alex Trebek. I guess Jeopardy Prodigious. is really a really popular show. Yeah, seven o'clock. At least I think in most markets, seven o'clock. Yeah, people watch seven it or seven thirty. That yeah. in Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, there is a cool documentary oh, yeah, out yeah, about yeah. Maybe game seven thirty sh- about game show hosts. And there's that he may host. I don't think he hosts it, but he's got to be the the. Is he and the guy um, Sajak? Is he are he and Sajak like the the most popular by landslide of any? Yeah, ten of- years ago you throw Bob Barker in. Oh, Bob Barker. Yeah. Yeah. But since he's been gone for, you know, he's yeah. retired for a while. But yeah, Bob Barker. Yeah. No, he's he's prodigious, and it's weird that everyone does love him. Because on game show, you know, you don't you don't really give your opinion. He's not doing a talk show. You don't really get to know him. But there's something about him that just endears him to everyone. I don't and know what that is. He's a little smug, and I think people like that. It's- well, he's a little standoffish. You can tell, even <laughs> even not being there, he was a little standoffish. Yeah. You could almost you almost felt like he was going through the motions when he would ask the one question to all the all the contestants to tell them about them. It's like he would ask that one thing so that oh. they could tell. He looked like he hated it. It looked awful. <laughs> Says here that you uh, yeah. occasionally wrap books in paper. Tell us about that. You know, just some odd, weird yeah. thing that's just not interesting. And then he'd go right to the next one. Yeah, right? I know. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he was a winner of six Daytime Emmy Awards for Outstanding wow. Game Show Host. He set a Guinness World Record in June of 2014 for most episodes of a game show hosted at 6,829. He's gone on to do 8,000, so he's destroyed that do you record. Think, do you think that the show is successful because of him? Or is it the show? Or is it, it's obviously a combination of both. Yeah. What is it, could it have been successful with anybody? I mean, obviously somebody else is going to host it now, right? Yeah. Yeah, they said they have It's haven't. not going to go away. Somebody's going to host oh, it. Oh, no, it's And they probably, they, they had to have been preparing for this. Yeah, I saw this terminal illness. I saw a couple names. Who? Anybody uh, we know? Nah, I didn't Dan know. Patrick? Actually, one of them was a sports play-by-play guy. I should probably look this up. Oh. I can't remember who it was, though. But And then there was a woman who's on CNN or some... Cable news. I, it's no, two the show's not going of. away. Oh, no. I'm sure it makes a ton of money. But I think it's partly that he was just always there. He, I, I think he, he never tried to better deal himself. Yeah. He just stayed. Like, it probably paid well. Like, same with Pat Sajak. Vanna White. Yeah. Like, why would you Had leave? to make a few million, you know, millions and millions of dollars a year, these oh, guys. I'm sure, yeah. And yeah. I, I heard that he recorded five episodes a day. Even when he was sick? Well, but then when he was sick at the end, he did three but even three is still a lot when you're sick, right? But That's so yeah, you, you do five episodes and then what are you done for the week? It's amazing. All right, other stuff happening besides um, Alex Trebek and the Seahawks, the precipitous fall uh, in Buffalo. Uh, Lamar Jackson and Baltimore won in Indianapolis. And when Lamar Jackson won, he became 25 and five as a starter. The greatest 30 game start in a quarterback's career in NFL history. He broke the record held by whom? Da, 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 oh, thank da, you for da, that music. Da, da, I'm going to cry. Da, 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 da. This gotta be Russell is Wilson. unfiltered. The greatest start over 30 games. The first 30. Or first any- 30 of your career, quarterback's career. Da, 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 Not da, Russell. Da. Dun, dun, Elway, dun, dun, dun. Marino, is it really? Yeah, he was. I mean, 
Now, why would I ask? Well, because I thought it would be Russell. That's why you would ask. Did you know that Pat Mahomes on Sunday, Hot Shot, broke the NFL record for the fastest to 100 touchdown passes? He got his 100 and 101st touchdown pass in only his 40th professional game. He broke the record set by whom? Someone is oozing with Dolphins pride today. Woodley. Dodge Strzok. You got it. Dan Marino watched two of his oh. his uh, highfalutin records fall by the wayside on Sunday. Yeah, it's and, a different era, though. I mean, right? Those those records are going to fall. Of course they are. Yeah, yeah. Of course they. Guys are, are throwing it if left and right. If he played in today's <laughs> yeah, day, he's and just age. not mobile though. It's kind of a mobile quarterback's world, right? Not when you're him, he didn't have to be. No, he just darts like a rocket. I know. I know. Hey, I, I was there. I, I was the AFC guy. I watched lots of Dan Marino. I'm, I'm sad to tell you that I had the champagne chillin' hot shot. You did, yes. I was going to feed you. I was going to feed you champagne on this episode. One, This was going to be a, a willy-nilly 116 <laughs> because the Pittsburgh Steelers, the last undefeated team, were losing for the longest time to, of all teams, the Dallas Cowboys and Gail Gilbert or something. I don't know which Gilbert it is. Gail Gilbert, Gilbert former Seahawk. Gail Gilbert. I think it's his son. I oh, think, really? Whoever. I think yeah. it was, or maybe it was somebody else. I thought it was Gail Gilbert's okay. son. Uh, the, the Steelers, at undefeated, they were losing the whole game. I was thinking, yeah. we're going we're gonna to drink champagne for episode 116. Uh, the Cowboys they came back and won. Cowboys fans were chanting, stop the score. Stop the score. <laughs> Settle down, everyone. It's a joke. Calm down. All right, here's a number for you in terms of what's going on in sports. And, I, and I, this is hard for me to bring up because I'm not a fan, but it's still... If you're a sports fan, you've got to stop and think about what I'm about to tell you. Okay. I told you last week, by the way, I gave you a nugget that you loved, which could have gone on better on Sunday, which was that Russell Wilson was the best quarterback in all the history of the NFL when trailing at halftime. Remember I told you that? Yeah. He was number one at four. He had a chance to, on Sunday, to improve that record because he was trailing at halftime. He didn't do it. Um, Here's one for the ages. There's a new number one team in college football, and it's not the University of Washington. they still yet to play a game. <laughs> yeah. They're going to play one of these days. Right. It's Oregon State or somebody. There's a new number one team. Do you know who that team is? Clemson lost. I was driving Double overtime yeah. to Notre Dame with a backup quarterback. We'll talk to New Isle all about that. It doesn't matter. Or is Clemson still going to play in the playoff? Whatever. But as a result, Clemson drops from number one. There's a new number one team. Do you know who that is? I mean, I would guess Notre Dame. It's not Notre Dame, but it's a, it's a really – Average guess. Very good. <laughs> that's, that's like high school again. Yeah. <laughs> Just average. Uh, yeah. New number one. New number one. Da, You're da, asking da. me because Miami. Let's go with Miami. No, the it's Hurricanes. not Dan Marino. It's not the University of Pittsburgh. <laughs> I don't know. How about the University of Alabama? Oh, under I, the direction of Nick Saban. Probably could have guessed that, yeah. Here's the stat. And I'm going to say this, and when I say it, you're going to go, oh, wow. And then you're going to think about it for five seconds. We're going to have dead air okay. for five seconds. I want you to just think about this. <laughs> I, want to think about, I want you to think about your favorite team. Who's your favorite college football team? Washington Huskies, okay. who I root for, yes. By becoming number one this week in the college football poll, the University of Alabama now has been number one at some point in 13 consecutive seasons it started in 2008 on November 2nd 2008 in Nick Saban's second year after leaving the um did you guys ever get your deposit back on him or no (laughs) we don't want it back (laughs) 
November 2nd, 2008, Alabama became number one in the country in his second year there at Alabama. And they have been number one at some point in 13 consecutive years they have been number one. Now, that sounds good. Now, I want you to take five seconds. Think about Washington. I'll think about Syria. Think about whoever's out there. Think about your alma mater. Think yeah. about college football. Think about what it would like to be number one for one week. It'd be awesome. One yeah, week. How, how, how great it would feel to be number one for one week or how great it did feel if you are a, a fan of a team that was once number one and you remember. Think about what it felt like for one week and now consider – 13 years in a row. It's crazy. It's crazy. I'm surprised. 13 years in a row. I mean, you, like just recent history. I think about those, those Chip Kelly teams. Think about how good they were. Those Oregon teams. <sighs> Pete Carroll's USC teams. Was that three, four, five years? I mean, 13 is, it's unfathomable, really. Number one at some point of 13 yeah. straight years. It's crazy. And I don't like the guy. I don't want to like the guy. I don't like Alabama. I root against them every time they tee it up. But that is incredible. Incredible. In this day and age where there's so many teams, now some people would say, nah, the powers, they need to actually spread the talent out. and yeah, all the, it's all the rich the getting richer, right? It's rich getting richer. Yeah. But still, you know, back when, back when Bear Bryant was great or back when Oklahoma and Texas were great, like in the 60s, there were like four teams no, no, that's it. There's like Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Texas, yeah. Alabama, whatever they were, whoever they were. It wasn't like there were so many great football players around the country and that any team could beat anybody else on any given day. It wasn't like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, on, on one hand, yeah, does all the talent go to the SEC and seem to want to go to the same team every year? Yeah, but still, 13 straight years. It's impressive. I mean, think about, I, I remember reading all the time about Notre Dame has the top, a top five recruiting class every year, Notre Dame, but yeah. they're not always, or pretty rarely are they number one, right? So right. It's, it's not just about him getting the best recruits. I mean, you right. got to give him a little credit, unfortunately. You got to give him a little credit. Yeah, it's pretty Probably impressive. Probably a lot of credit. Yep. 44-34. Bills oh. beat the Seahawks. Your Seahawks are 6-2. and two. Your Seahawks defense one week removed from... The game that everybody was giving them credit for, how they dominated San Francisco for three quarters and how they got to the quarterback, yada, yada, yada. And, and you said at the time, are we getting a little ahead of ourselves because of that, that offense is just ravaged? Looks like maybe we were getting a little ahead of ourselves. I mean, they didn't turn a corner on defense. I don't know where you want to begin on Bills 44, Seahawks 34. I'm happy to begin wherever you'd like. I'll just say this. Look no further than Josh Allen's stats. And you tell me what kind of a pass defense is boasted by your favorite NFL football team. Okay. 31 of 38, 31 of 38, 415 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. 31 of 38, 415 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. And he did that probably in three quarters. Right. Because he really didn't have to throw it all in the fourth quarter if he didn't want to. Now, how's your def- How's your pass defense doing? How's Kenny Norton doing? Now I am talking about Kenny Norton. With the boy, the, the Beat the Boys contest and the code word being Norton, that was about Norton security on computers. That, that wasn't about Kenny Norton. This is about – how's Kenny Norton doing? How are you feeling about this? There's a lot of Kenny Norton talk on, on Twitter, and I see that, that you know Pete's involved on this D. He should be taking as much heat as of Ken Norton. Of course he should. Yeah. He's the defensive guy. He's the defensive guru. He's That's the right. mastermind. That's what we and hear. it's two parts on Pete. A, he's supposed to be a defensive guy, and B – He's the guy who hired Ken Norton, and even more importantly, he's the guy who decided last offseason, this past offseason, 
I'm not making a change at defensive coordinator. Our team was horrible on defense. I trust him. I'm staying with Ken Norton. So he hired him. He kept him. He has he has tied himself to him, and he's supposed to be a defensive guy. So I all that said is absolutely true. The the first stop, but no one's firing Pete. Right. I, well, I don't think Pete's stepping down. I think he got a new contract. On a day that we're recording this. I, th- yeah. I think we found out like 12 weeks later he got a new contract. Yeah, he, right? didn't, he didn't want people to know. He said, but people suffer. How about and, now? Uh, Is it okay now? To, not, yeah, to he, it got out. Yeah, so he's not going anywhere, Pete Carroll. But has he, uh, he hasn't, I was thinking about this. Has he been overly loyal to USC people? I don't feel like he has. Oh, I'm not talking about USC. But he's like a buddy with, with Ken Norton. Like, I wasn't even thinking the Ken Norton-USC connection. But they've been together a while. They have. Okay, so, but I don't feel like he's been overly loyal. Do, do you feel that way? To Ken Norton? Or just in general to yeah, people? Yeah, I think, I think yes. Hmm. I think guys go, leave his staff, come back to his staff. Okay. I think he, uh, yeah. And in this case, I mean, come on, it's right in front of you. It's yeah. as obvious as I like to say. Oh, boy. As the nose on my face. Pretty obvious. Pretty obvious, yeah. Ken Norton was the linebacker's coach. He went off to be the Raiders' defensive coordinator. They brought him back. I mean, come on. He loves Ken Norton. He 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 has connected himself to Ken Norton, and he is not yeah. going away from Ken Norton. And by the way, and I don't know this for sure, for the people that are on social media saying, okay, this is it. This is going to be – this Buffalo game is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. You are fooling yourself. <laughs> Wait, what, what's what's the breaking of the back that Ken's going to be gone? Yeah, the, 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 okay. Now, the one good thing about this Bills game is that he's going to fire Ken Norton this weekend. Dan hire Quinn. Dan yeah. Quinn or hire somebody else. Okay. okay, he is not firing Ken Norton. I can't even imagine that he would fire Ken Norton under any circumstances until the end of the season. Okay. Now, maybe I'm... If it happens this week, you can call me and say, hey, Mitch, what do you, what do you know? <laughs> I... I Pete Carroll, the, the coach of a six and two, it's just not his M.O. Now, maybe somebody would tell me, hey, oh, you're forgetting this, or you're forgetting that. It's not his M.O. He's not going to fire his defensive coordinator of a six and two football team. Yeah. He's just going to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to get back in there. We're going to dig oh. our feet in. We're going to get better. We're going to address whatever happened today, whatever the, whatever the Pete Carroll isms are. Can I give you a couple quotes sure, that sure. really rub me the sure, wrong way? Let's talk. Typically, he doesn't rub me. Like, I just, I take him for who he is. I know who he is. He's, you know, we're going to get better and all that. You're, gonna, you're now going to, you're now going to, after all these years, yeah. you're now going to be bothered by some of these? Okay, go ahead. It finally got to me. He he's says, a, he's a Bobby McFerrin. What? Don't worry, be happy guy. <laughs> Don't you know that? I, I, I know he is, but like, yeah. I'm kind of over Don't it. Don't worry. Oh, that song. We're going to make progress, he says. We're going to get back on track like we need to. That's a big zero. I mean, I know he gives a lot of zeros in his press conferences, but this defense is sucking bad. I don't want to hear we're going to get back on track. <laughs> what do you want to hear? That would suggest they were on a track at some point, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, good God. The, back on track. When were they on track? They were on track when they went to the Super Bowl and beat, oh. the, uh, and beat the Broncos. And then he comes out hey, and that's says. That's the track they're yeah. getting back on. He goes, I don't want to recognize that game. We haven't seen us play like that. They made it look easy. They didn't even try to run the football. What, what has he been watching for nine weeks? You don't recognize that. I recognized it. <laughs> so did I. Hey, welcome back, old defense. Yeah. I saw you for the first seven games of the year. What is he talking about? By the way, why would anybody run the ball against the Seattle Seahawks? If you were coaching a different team and you were playing them this week, if you're the Rams coach, Sean McVay, oh. and you were coaching and you looked at film, why would you run the ball against no. the Seattle Seahawks? Who, who wants to run the ball? I'm going that's f- no fun. Five wide all day long. Let's go. Yep. 
And you and, got and, Goff And you know what it. my running plays are? My running plays are I'm just going to take the snap and throw it out to who Quinton Dunbar is covering because he's 20 <laughs> yards. Let's just throw it out to him. That'll be a running play. It'll go as a pass, but that's kind of a running play. I'll yeah. just flip it out there, and we'll get 8 or 10 or 12 yards before yeah. – Dunbar Dunbar needs a cab, needs a taxi cab to come back to the receiver, to find the receiver. And and by the way, that's not – I'm going to talk about Dunbar in okay. a second. But that's not all about Dunbar. That's the game. There was a game – I don't know what the game plan was. What was the game plan on Sunday? I mean, how, well, You're asking how, me that what the how, game plan was? How many yards are we giving them? How This whole keep the guys – well, they kept them in front of them all right. Yeah, I didn't realize the other team had Randy Moss and Terrell Owens keep and them Jerry in front. Rice. Just, and, hey, just keep them in yeah, front. Oh, yeah. Play 20 yards off sure. them. Sure. Let's, let's keep them in front of you. How'd that work out? Playing keep prevent defense in the first series. Ridiculous. I said four or five weeks ago Ridiculous. on this show, I would do anything to see a, one of the cornerbacks get beat playing man-to-man, playing bump and run. I gave you Josh Allen's number. Stephon Diggs, nine catches, 118 yards. He is with his family right now saying to his wife and kids, if he has a wife and kids, and mm-hmm. if he doesn't have a wife and kids, he's with his buddies at a bar right now, yeah. going, that was the easiest NFL game I have ever played. You're right. You're right. I have ever played. I have ne- hey, 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 Tom, if Tom is, is his buddy, Tom, <laughs> I- I've never played a game that was so easy as that game. <laughs> a lot of young guys named Tom. These and days. <laughs> and at, the, at the other restaurant across the street, yeah. John Brown of Eight Catches 100 Yards fame is uh-huh. saying to his wife and kids, that was so fun. That was so easy. Man, that was easy. Just toss the ball out to me and let me run. I, it, I, I, don't, know what the, I don't know what they were playing. I don't know what they were playing. When this season started, I was thinking to myself, they went out and got Dunbar. They got Shaq at the other. They got Diggs. And they got Jamal. If the defense isn't good, it's not going to be on the secondary. We that thought I the know. secondary was going to be really good. That's right. I was it, so it, excited. And, and by the way. Can Dunbar it, get arrested again? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just, we were like so excited that he didn't get in trouble. He's going to play. By the way, yeah, it should be very good. Yeah, I actually quoted you on Twitter. It I, should be very good. Yeah, I said on now, Twitter, Mitch went down every position. It should be very. It's not I mean, a bunch of now, thirty now seconds. They, they didn't have their full secondary. They didn't have Shaq and Quentin okay. Dunbar is banged up, and we'll get there yeah. in a second. And 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 Jamal Adams is just coming back from injury, and I don't know how good Quandre, Quandre Diggs is. And by the way, they didn't have. They didn't have their nickel guy, um, Amadi. They didn't oh, have yeah, him. They didn't have a couple of nickel guys. And, and that, by the way, this day and age in the NFL, this day and age in the NFL, <laughs> you better have a good fifth, a fifth defensive back because it's a, it, you know, that's that's what teams do. They pass. They use the middle of the field and pass. So they were missing some guys, but I, I don't know how to get my arms around the fact that they were so piss poor on Sunday. <laughs> And yet they came up with seven sacks. It was the greatest pass Gosh. rushing day, <clears throat> I think, statistically in like 10, 15 years. I don't, I don't know. I don't even have the numbers. When the last time they had seven, what did I tell you? Seven sacks and seven. 10 more? Yeah. Do they have 10 more quarterbacks? No, they didn't have 10 more quarterback hits. They had seven and five or something. The Bills had 10 hits and six sacks. I mean, what you're thinking of. They had yeah. 16 yeah. on Russell Wilson, which was the biggest number of the year by anybody. Uh, but... The Seahawks got home seven times, and there were two or three times there where either they just they had him, or yeah. he, he he just got beyond the line of scrimmage to make it a one yard game. Otherwise, it was a sack. They were this close to ten sacks. They were. They were this cl- on a day where their pass defense was the worst I have ever seen. Right? How do you? Uh, how, how, I, I, <laughs> 
I know. Man, you know. People come to podcasts for answers. I'm sorry, people. I don't have an answer yeah, for you. I don't either. How was their pass rush the best it's been statistically in years, years and years and years, and their pass defense, and I say pass rush, and their pass defense overall was the worst it's been in years. Yeah. How, how, how does that happen? I don't even know how that happens. I'm looking at it because I have no answers. I don't know. When you think about how, how did the defense play overall, just big picture, how did the pass defense look? Just overall, you think that's probably the worst I've seen all year. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Seven sacks. Though. Seven sacks. And countless more hits and near sacks. Carlos Dunlap in his first game as a Seahawk had a couple of tackles for losses. He had a couple of hits. He had a sack. I think Jaron Reed, I think, had a couple of sacks. I think Bobby Wagner had a sack. Yeah. I thought Rasheem Green looked good yep. in, his, in his comeback attempt. I mean, I... They sent Jamal Adams. They, they held the, the Bills to 1.8 yards per carry. How's that going to do for your tail of the tape next week when we go down to yards per carry? Yeah. How's the running – how's that going to do for you? 1.8 yards a carry. So the defensive front four, Alton Robinson was in there. The front four and maybe even the front seven, okay, but it's just they can't – they're playing – I mean, they're just giving up chunks and chunks and e- – they're not even competitive. And I look, Quentin Dunbar – I don't think anybody needs me to lop on. By the time people are listening to this, you probably have read and heard all you need to see and hear about Quentin Dunbar. Yeah. My son, Brett Levy, age 15, <laughs> just the other day said, Dad, define hyperbole for me. Oh, okay. He was unsure of uh, – give me an example of hyperbole. Quentin Dunbar played the worst game by a defensive back that I have ever seen. I would not use that as an example of hyperbole. Gotcha. Because, and and I learned a long time ago, everybody says he was hurt. He had an ankle injury. He was holding his side, I saw at one point. He was out there, obviously hobbled. As I said, I learned a long time ago, never to, I'm not going to challenge somebody whether they're hurt or not. That's the last thing I'm going to do. So I can't speak to that, and maybe that is an explanation of why what I'm about to I, – I, I am telling you, I've been watching the NFL seriously for 43 years. Okay. 43 years. I watch eight games a week right. in their entirety and parts of others. Okay, I watch as much NFL football as anybody. I can never remember a worst, a worse game – by a defensive back than I have ever seen, than, than Quinton Dunbar on Sunday. Quinton Dunbar's performance. Now, again, if he was hurt, and that's the explanation, and that's the reason, fine. Then I've got a different question okay. if he was hurt. His performance on Sunday was the worst defensive back performance I have ever seen in my 43 years of watching. From coverage to attempt to effort, to tackling the guy. I can't remember which guy. He got away from one guy, and he was right there, and he went down the sidelines. It was beyond horrific watching 22 play. And if I'm to believe what Pete Carroll says after, and I do believe him, which is, guy's banged up. He's just toughing it through. He's just giving us something because we needed him. You know what? Take him off the field. Put a... And if you tell me you don't have any more DBs, you don't have any corners, put a line, put a wide receiver out there. Put Freddie Swain out Just there. Just someone fast, yeah. Uh, anybody. I'm, I'm, I'm not joking. I'm not Freddie joking. Swain, put yeah. Freddie Swain yeah, out there. There was it. nobody on that football team that wouldn't have done a better job than Quentin Dunbar. This was historically, you know, these pro football focused grades that they give out each sure. year. I can't wait to see what his grade. It's got to be negative. Yeah. I mean, he was so 
God awful. Why is he in the game if he's so injured? Put do something. Try something. And I'm not kidding. If it's a wide receiver, it's a if it's a running back. I guess they don't have any running backs left. Yeah, they're any, out of those Put too. Travis Homer out there. I don't know. Put Ben Burke Curvin out there. I don't know. Right. Put a Co- put Cody a Barton. safety. Put a safety out there. But Cody Barton. I don't yeah. know anybody. Anybody would have done better than 22 did on Sunday. Anybody. It was the worst ever. <laughs> Historically bad that performance. And I and this is coming from a guy who was so excited to have him. Same. And I was on pins and needles the whole offseason hoping he was going to get out of the Miami mess. The whole t- yeah. the whole criminal thing, I I literally went to Twitter every single day. The first thing I did when I woke up to see if there's any news about Dunbar being being free to come to the Seahawks because he's going to be the magic potion. Yeah. We're going to put him on one side and Shaq on the other and all of a sudden we'll get flowers out of there and this is I was as pro Quentin Dunbar as anybody, this was un this was unbelievable. I still can't believe what I watched on Sunday. Unbelievable. You may very well be right that it's the worst performance by a cornerback, but how do you feel when he's lined up eight yards back? That's that's probably not his choice. No, it was a terrible game plan okay. too. I don't know what the, even what the game plan was. He's got no chance if he's seven, eight, nine yards back. So who does that does that fall on him? Maybe he's frustrated That's too. That's just part of it. He was getting beat. He okay, got beat for touchdowns. It, yeah. He got beat for touchdowns. He missed tackles. I mean, not missed tackles. He didn't even try to tackle guys. And he was getting beat all over the field. Yeah. I mean, all over the field. It wasn't just the fact that he was eight or ten years. And by the way, eight is it was not. Eight. I'll show you this. You want me to show you the picture I tweeted? Sure. Out? Yeah. It was like fifteen yards off the line. Jeez. He was fifteen yards is off it, the line in this picture that I tweeted out. So 15 be, yards. That's now he's being instructed to do that. Right. That's what I'm wondering. So is it really his fault on yes. on those? On all of it. It's it, okay. I mean I mean it's it's a combination. Yeah. It's it's the game plan fault, it's the soft coverage fault, but he was horrific. Yeah. He was horrific. He should give his paycheck back. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> paycheck he, he 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 was just horrific. Now, again, is it because he's hurt? Okay. Yeah. If he, if he was terrible, because he's hurt, then God love him. Get better and we'll see it. But why is he in there? Yeah. Why he, is he playing? He seemed like the perfect Seahawk in the offseason, didn't he? He's a guy who wasn't he may happy. Still be. I'm still I'm still willing to have an open mind on him. I've seen him do yeah, some sure. good things this year. Isn't he fighting for a contract? I, I, yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I don't think he's been horrific this year. I mean, I don't think he's been as good as I thought he was going to be. Yeah. I thought he was going to be really, really good. So did I. And he's been just okay. But in this case... Oh, my God. Yeah, it was bad. Oh, my God. I hope so, it is an injury. I really, I mean. Russell, sounds- Russell Wilson, um, not very good. And, I, I, you know, and here's, here's, what we've been, here's what we've been worried about since the beginning of the season, and that is they are so bad in pass defense that they need Russell Wilson to be unbelievable every week yeah. to win football games. And when he shows up and he's human, they're going to lose. That's right. And when he's human. He cannot, they cannot win a game where he's human. Yeah. And that's a terrible situation to be in over the long term. You can't get to the Super Bowl if your quarterback has to be superhuman every single game for you have a chance to win. And, and he, here's a perfect example. He threw for 390 yards. Yeah. 390 yards. Now, he had a few touch, a few interceptions and a few fumbles, and he missed some receivers that he normally hits, and he just didn't have his day, and they had no chance. And then you pull away his number one and two running backs. Pull away his number one and two running backs. I mean, what chances? When you see Travis no Homer in there, God love Travis Homer. He's a, he runs hard. He tries hard. He's so light. He's not an every down. They know he's not getting it at third and one. They just know it. He's got Russell Wilson's just not set up to succeed at all. 
I said Travis Homer would be like the best. I don't know why I'm talking about Chip Kelly. The best running back in Chip Kelly's Oregon offense. You know, the the, the lineman had wide splits. Yeah. You rarely got touched. Yeah. You just had to take off down yeah. the field. Yeah. Yeah. He would have been great in that. Yeah. Yeah. He's not the guy to get you the tough yard. He's just no. not. No. And so Russell Wilson's up against that, too. He's got to do everything. Everything. Yeah. He's up against his defense. Yeah. He's up against his lack of run game. Yep. He's up against his defensive coordinator. In some ways, he's up against his head coach. Mm-hmm. They're just asking him to win football, win the season for him. And he's going to show up and have days like this where he throws for 390 <laughs> yards yeah. and a few interceptions, and you're not going to have a chance. Right, no chance. You got no chance. Yeah, he, you know, he's tied now for 20th all-time TD passes. He tied that for 200 that, years. I didn't know that. 255 passes. Isn't this, you said before we started recording, isn't this where... Oh, yeah, I was going to get to that, yeah. Is it just me, or did we go down this road last year where he, a lot of MVP talk, first seven, eight games or so, Yeah, and then he sort of fell off? Completely he, he, slowed down the second half of the season. It's kind of about where we are right now, isn't it? Totally, totally happened last year. Now, to his credit, as great as he was in the first half of the season to become an MVP candidate last year, yeah. he's that mu- he's much better. Yeah, I would agree. He has been yeah. much better even this year than he was last year. But yeah. Uh, and he got hit a lot on Sunday. He did. And you wondered last year whether the, you got you got to always wonder with him is the fall off in the second half of the season because over time the physical punishment he's just not as sharp physically in the second half of the season mm. as he is in the first and his that and he beca- be. and he becomes human. If that's the case, they have kept him much cleaner this year until Sunday. The offensive line has been great. I mean. You know, yeah. All things considered, Not they've the been great. Not the '92 Cowboys, but yeah. they've been great. All things considered, at keeping him pretty clean the first seven games of the season. On Sunday, he got hit 16 times, and now is all of that going to kind of start to add up and not allow him to be the same player that he was in the first six weeks of the season? I don't know the answer to that. Back to what we were talking about about who he's fighting or what he's up against. He plays the whole game under pressure. He never can just go out there and play quarterback. And wait, it feels like he's forcing more stuff than he used to. You know, you don't see him throw picks very often. He's forcing it occasionally. Remember that lob pick he had last? It just was crappy that Buda Baker got. You just yeah, I don't know that I see to make it as more, a force. I feel like he's trying to make more things happen. Well, maybe because he, he feels like he has maybe, to, maybe, and he maybe, does maybe, have to. Maybe, maybe feels like it. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, on the one interception on Sunday, it was the fourth down play early in the game. He had nothing. Yeah. It was fourth down. They were going to get rid of the ball. They were going to lose the ball anyway, so he made a throw, a low percentage ball that he would have never thrown on first, second, or third down. Yeah, he would have thrown that away, it I got, guess. It, yeah. yeah, it got picked off. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I just He's always, he's always playing with a, a deficit, it feels like. You want a bright side? Sure. Tacos on Tuesday. Want oh, a bright yeah. side? We got four for two. Uh, we almost got six for three, and I was uh, that, that. Now that's going to be a challenge when we have to go six for three. <laughs> I might I've have to done join four you. for two. What? I might have to join you if it's six for three. It's four for two this weekend. Yep. Because Russell, they didn't even trust handing the ball off. He had to sneak it in. Yeah. Because they didn't trust handing the ball off at that. You know, whatever it was fourth and goal, or I don't know if it's fourth down. And then uh, DJ went in. Yes. DJ looked better this week. I thought. I've been telling you, there's something there. I think there's something there. I was not impressed at, by him as a running back in the 49ers game. Yeah. He won me a little bit more over as a running back in the Bills game. I liked the way he ran the ball a little bit more. I'm still – they need 32 back. You know how I feel about 32. No question. They're they a need way a different team with Chris Carson. And the tacos at Taco Time Northwest. 
tastes so much better when 32 is the reason I'm getting them for free as opposed to somebody else. That's not true. DJ Dallas took a hit out of bounds. <gasps> helmet to helmet. Yeah. He was off balance, so he got lit up. Yeah. And then he had to go to the tent. No penalty. How is it possible a guy's oh. in concussion protocol and there was not a flag oh, I, thrown? Did you think that there was a penalty on that play? I thought it was, was a clean hit. No. Oh my god! Did they hit helmet to helmet? Oh, it was helmet to helmet. Oh, I didn't see. That's why I, he know. went to the tent. I mean, I, he got well, his bell rung. Well, he could have gone to the tent because he fell on his head, like my uncle is. Yeah, well, he did fall. Well, yeah, he, he got knocked down, but it was helmet. Again, you just can't. They can't get it right yeah. ever. And I, I'm not saying that would have mattered. They would have won the game without that. But old Uncle Liz <sighs> fell out of fell out of a truck and fell out on his head. That's what he told us when he was saying, "Hey, look who's here, same guy. Look who's oh, here, my great guy. great uncle, my great uncle is." Yeah. He also said he, as a kid, he fell out of a truck. He was sitting in the back of a truck and he got tossed out and he hit his head. We don't think it happened. He hit his head, <laughs> so you can laugh about it. He hit his head, and ever since. He's, this is what he used to tell us in 1975. He can read a book now twice, three times, four times because he forgets the book after he reads oh, it. Oh, because he fell on his head? Because he fell on his head. He was in concussion protocol in 1974. <laughs> For, how a, a For how long did that last? 40 years. <laughs> We're laughing about that. I, I swear to you, it was a different time. I remember riding in the back of my dad's pickup truck from yeah. Issaquah to Preston on the freeway. It's six miles on I-90 going 60 miles an hour. A different time. I'm in the back yeah. of a pickup truck. Yeah, what do you do? On the freeway. Yeah, after watching Stripes for your fourth grade birthday party. <laughs> it's shocking I'm sitting here, really. Who's your best friend? Who's your best pal? That's <laughs> surprising. Who's your friend? Who yeah. do you love? It's a good movie. Well, the first 80% is a good movie. Yeah. And if you touch my stuff? Oh, the best. I'll kill you. Settle. Lighten up, Francis. Yeah, lighten up, Francis. Wasn't Judge Reinhold in that, too? I think he was, Judge Reinhold. I think he might have been. Yeah. He was one of the yeah. That was so funny. God. Such a great movie. Harold Ramis. Oh, Harold. Rest Ramis. in peace. Yes. Bummer, he's gone. Yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Anyway, Taco Time Northwest on Tuesday. Any participating Taco Time Northwest, which is all of them, all you got to do is order your tacos on the app, the free app, the Taco Time Northwest yep. app. You pay for them, so you you order four, you pay for two. Does that make sense? Sure you order does. four. It looks like you pay for them, but then you look and they give you the. They give you the refund for two. So it's a uh, buy two, get two free because of the two rushing touchdowns of the Seattle Seahawks. And I go every single week, every single Tuesday. Ask my, fo- ask my folks. Ask my uh, my family. <laughs> every single week, I go to Taco Time on Tuesday for lunch. It's true. Every single week. And I become this – I said this to them before. You know, for, I'm 53 years old. And I don't believe that I have ever, that I had ever eaten in my car. Oh, really? The first 52 and a quarter years. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a car eater at all. I hate it. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking back. I don't remember with my folks. I don't remember me driving. I don't remember. I guess maybe I've gone through drive through and snuck a McNugget on the way, you yeah, know, yeah. to the golf course. I don't know. I don't know. I don't. And yet... In the last six months, I have become a professional <laughs> yeah. car eater. I do nothing but eat in my car now. Yeah, nothing but you go into my car right now, you'll find some some incredible things in there. Salsa packets here, oh napkins here, uh, <laughs> packets. How about how about actually things growing out of my carpet or something? <laughs> right. I do nothing. Well, my my wife and I decided we want to go out for Chinese the other night. Okay. We sat in our car in Issaquah in like a, in a parking lot, eating out of the Chinese the little out, white boxes. In the, out of the white boxes. <laughs> Nice. I become a professional yeah. in-car eater when I never did it before. I used to do it before I started. I won't go into a restaurant. I don't know about you, but I won't go into a restaurant. 
I did it before I, you know, when it was my parents' car, I would eat in there all the time. I don't care. But when I started paying for the cars, I quit eating, even though I hate it. I hate, I eat like I'm a chicken and then you get up and there's a triangle of lettuce, like the, where the, in between your legs. I hate, I hate the seeds. I hate it. I hate getting my car. I don't think I my dad it. ever went through a drive through in his life. Hmm. I think he Not died. With the kids? Di- Not- no. I think he died having never gone through a drive through I don't remember my mom going through a drive through My brother's, pro- my brother's stuff, right? probably listening to this and cackling right now in Florida saying to himself, oh, no, dad went through the drive through I don't, I, as I sit here, I have no memory of anybody wow. in our family in my youth ever going through a drive through ever. But you're not saying you never went to fast food as a kid. Oh, they we were, went to fast food. Right, but you just go yeah. in. I remember you, you said you worked at McDonald's. I did, I yes. worked at McDonald's. I remember when my father came in. Oh. It was a big thing when he came in. Did you wait on him or oh, yeah. take his oh, order? Yeah, he gave me a tip and everything. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Asked for his hamburger medium. You're right. <laughs> what is this, Dad, the Four Seasons? Dad. Dad, good God. <laughs> so what do you recommend? It was just embarrassing. The whole, he brought the brothers in. Yeah, he brought the whole thing. I, I I'm, at the, I'm at the, to the cash register. I'm a senior in hey, high school. Hey, Mitchie, all right, what are we going to oh, have here? What are we oh. doing here? He had never been to a McDonald's. Hey, right. let's go. <laughs> I'll have my cheese. I'll have a hamburger medium. Medium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, three guests and then other stuff segment. I'm ready. Back on the horn with Lindsay Schwartz, the CEO of Daniel's Broiler. And Lindsay, it's good to hear your voice again. Talk to me about the shift in weather and what's going on at Daniel's. Yeah, you know, we've been pleasantly surprised even with the weather changing and, and obviously not being able to use the outside patios as much. Uh, we haven't seen much of a drop-off in our overall counts, and so we're feeling really good about that and grateful that people are still coming in to visit and dining inside with us. And, of course, we're following all the safety protocols that we've talked about before. Hard to believe that Thanksgiving is just around the corner. I was just playing golf. I don't understand it, but it's here. And I know that Daniel's Broiler celebrates Thanksgiving annually with a lot of uh, interesting opportunities. Talk, Talk to us about what you guys do and what this year provides for us. Yeah, you know, over the years, that's become one of our busiest days, and uh, we're going to do the same thing this year that we do every year. We've got a great four-course meal. Uh, Obviously, turkey is an option for the entree, but we also offer prime rib and pork roast, salmon, plant-based ravioli and uh, starters and desserts. So it's a, it's a really great package. It's been successful for a long time. The big difference this year is we're also going to offer that for takeout. So we'll have it uh, packaged up really nice for as many people as you want. And uh, the best thing to do is call the restaurants directly if you're interested in takeout. As far as dining in with us, we're actually already uh, completely booked at the Bellevue location, but we've got some seats left at the Leshai and Lake Union locations. So uh, jump on the horn soon if people are interested. And we are at a point in the year where you guys do a gift card promotion. I'm not aware of the details on that. Help me. Yeah, we've done that every year for a long time. So when you buy $100 in gift cards, you get a bonus $20 gift certificate, and uh, you can use that certificate in the first quarter of next year. So you can buy the $100 for gifts for your friends and keep the 20 yourself or do it however you want. But that's been a really popular promotion over the years, and uh, we're excited to launch that again in November for the last couple of months of the year. Where do we go to 
take advantage of that to the website? Yeah, you can buy them in the restaurants if you're there, or you can go to our website and order online. $40 Vouve Clicquot uh, champagne opportunities, both at Leschi and South Lake Union as Daniel's Broiler celebrates its 40th birthday. And Lindsay Schwartz has been an incredible partner of mine and a friend for a long, long time, going back to the radio days, and now on Mitch Unfiltered. Thank you, Lindsay. Great to visit with you. Thanks, Mitch. Appreciate it. Unfiltered. One way, middle of the field, catch made, and that's going to be the Buffalo touchdown. Tyler Croft, the tight end. Josh Allen ends up throw. That's going to be a Buffalo touchdown to Gabriel Davis. DJ Dallas cruises into the end zone, and that's a Seahawk touchdown. Josh Allen trying to reach the end zone and leaps in for a Buffalo Bills touchdown. Tell you, I don't recognize that, that game. We haven't seen us look like that, and um, it's a game that I don't have any place in my brain for. It. We just don't turn the ball over like that, but we did today, and they they capitalized on all of it and and, and just made us pay. So it was a, the kind of game that uh, we're just not used to seeing, and, and we got to make sure and put that behind us and get rolling. Episode 116. Wish we had a Seahawks victory to talk about, but we don't. Six and two after a 44-34 loss in Buffalo to the Bills. Brady Henderson brought to you by Taco Time, the Taco Time Northwest app order ahead. And don't forget, buy two, get two free on Tuesday with me, thanks to the two rushing touchdowns and a losing cause. This was an ugly loss all the way around. It's going to have people scratching their heads for the following week until the Rams game. What do you think, Brady? Yeah, dispiriting and troubling. Those are the first two words that come to my mind, Mitch. And this was worse, a lot worse, I thought, than their loss to Arizona. That was against a good quarterback, a division game where you don't really know what's going to happen. We've seen this defense struggle this season, but we have not seen it struggle as much as it did Sunday, allowing 44 points. That was the most they've ever allowed under Pete Carroll. And for a change, the offense didn't hold up its end of the bargain. You know, Russell Wilson committed four turnovers, two interceptions, two strip sacks, really could not handle all of the pressure that Buffalo brought his way. You know, there was a lot going on in the country this week. And maybe you, know, you got to wonder if maybe that was on some of those players' minds, considering how tuned into all of that they were. It was a cross-country game, an early kickoff in a stadium where there was no fans. So you got to wonder how much that played into it. So maybe maybe, there was, maybe this was a one-off thing, but it's just hard to not be discouraged when you see their defense struggle as badly as it did and you see yeah. their offense struggle probably the worst it has all season, too. Brady, how do you justify the seven sacks? For as bad as they were, in the defensive passing game, they couldn't stop them. They didn't even, it almost looked like they weren't even trying to stop them. They were playing so far back in soft coverages. And yet, they come up with more sacks. When was the last time they had, you probably know this offhand, when was the last time the Seahawks had seven sacks in a game? I don't know the exact number, but I, I would guess that it was maybe that fail Mary game in 2012 when they had a ton of sacks against Aaron Rodgers in the first half. You're right, we have not seen them get seven sacks in a long time, whenever that was. And that was, again, the product of a very blitz-heavy approach and this Stats from our stats department at ESPN bear that out. If you thought they blitzed a lot last week, they blitzed even more this week against Josh Allen. Last week it was 51% against the 49ers. That was their most blitz-heavy game since 2010, Pete Carroll's first season, and they topped that Sunday, blitzing 60% of the time against Josh Allen. And you really saw the dual-edged sword of that. It was a lot easier 
of an approach last week against Garoppolo when he was playing on a bad ankle. You knew that he wasn't any sort of threat to escape the pocket, and you knew that he was playing with depleted weapons, and they weren't going to be a threat to beat their blitz the way that Josh Allen was. You're talking about a bigger, stronger, more mobile quarterback and a quarterback that has more weapons to throw to than Garoppolo did. So they got him seven times, I think, on the on four of their sacks came on plays in which they blitzed but he also carved them up when they didn't get home and that was problematic on Sunday and not only did they get them seven times there were a couple times they had more they had a chance for more I think there could have been eight or nine sacks very easily he he got away and made positive yardage Brady Henderson ESPN ESPN ESPN.com brought to you by Taco Time Seahawks lose 44-34 on on Sunday face the Rams coming up on the flip side the offensive line which has done an a very good job, a much improved offensive line from a pass protection standpoint this year. Boy, Russell Wilson not only got hit a lot, he got hit more, I think, than any other quarterback in any single game in the NFL this season. Hotshot Scott pointed out in our last segment that it was at about this time last year where his MVP candidacy started to decline, that he started to be a little bit more normal and pedestrian and maybe it was because he was getting hit a lot last year and we're worried that maybe we're going to see a similar decline from his performance in the second half of this season Brady that's a good point by Scott because the timing does match up I think what happened last year was they really didn't sustain you know it was hard for him to sustain the numbers he was putting up when their offense was still as reliant on its running game as it was and you know, he has not been he was not perfect in this game and he has not been perfect this season, but he has been the MVP. And a big reason for that is because they've been throwing the ball as much as they are. And I don't see that changing with their is defense as bad as, as it has been and really no answers for that group. There's no reason why you think it's all of a sudden gonna be better next week against the Rams or after that over the second half of the season. I just see them still being in a position where they have to have Wilson carry them to victories now the challenge is can he do that while avoiding the mistakes like the ones he made Sunday against Buffalo with four turnovers and as well two weeks ago against Arizona when he threw three interceptions Mm -hmm. can we differentiate in terms of the overall defensive collapse on Sunday against Buffalo between secondary and line because as we've pointed out they came up with seven sacks they had some good pass pressure Dunlap looked good in his first go around as a Seahawk Jaron Reed was in there Alton Robinson was in there but the secondary was just playing off of guys and couldn't stay with guys in particular Quinton Dunbar so how do we put into words what the secondary looked like on Sunday and how does that get better week to week with the Rams coming up maybe getting some people healthy. I don't know if Dunbar is going to be healthy. I don't know if Shaq Griffin's going to be healthy. How does the secondary play better? Well, they've got to get healthy, Mitch, and there's no guarantee that's going to happen before next week's game against the Rams. Shaquille Griffin did not play against Buffalo, and it's not clear if he's going to be ready, considering he's dealing with a hamstring injury in addition to a concussion. You don't know if Dunbar is going to be back. He was terrible in this game, and I was wondering even before hearing Pete Carroll say that he was hobbling, you know, trying to gun it out on a bad knee. I was that was my assumption too, because you just have not seen a cornerback play as poorly as he did. And if if he was playing as poorly as he did in that game with a bad knee, there's just no guarantee that that knee is going to be better by next week. And so I thought this was more 
the issues that you saw against Buffalo were more on the secondary than they were on the defensive line. I thought Carlos Dunlap, I didn't watch him every single play, but he played a ton, and he had some impact plays. That sack, that bull rush that you saw him have there, you just have not seen a Seahawks defensive lineman push an offensive tackle back into the quarterback the way he did there. So I thought the defensive line was okay. Obviously, a lot of those sacks came on the pressure, but they still did get three of those sacks. I believe it was three of those sacks uh, with just a standard rush. So on and on plays where they didn't bring a blitz. So I thought this was more on the secondary, and you, you maybe chalk it up to the fact that they were playing without one of their starting cornerbacks and were basically playing without their other one. Well, I want to ask you, because I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this and have heard this and heard this written, seen this written, that Pete Carroll said that Quentin Dunbar was playing hurt. Why was he in there? You know, you watch him, you talk about how horrible he was. I made a comment, and I stand by it. I don't think I've ever seen a cornerback in a game, an NFL game, play as badly as Quinton Dunbar. It wouldn't have mattered who else was in there. It couldn't be that bad. You put a wide receiver in there, put a safety in there, put another corner in there. Why did they stay with him so long? I agree with you uh, of how bad he looked. I, that was, uh, you know, that was maybe Kerry Williams, not to take a, a dig at Kerry Williams unnecessarily, but you just have not seen – a cornerback play that bad since maybe Kerry Williams was the last guy that I can remember and this in their minds must have been the best option now it's it's harder for them when Shaquille Griffin is already out the cornerback depth is what it is Lyndon Stevens who ended up replacing Dunbar midway through the fourth quarter has really not played a ton of football and I think he's played just as much inside as he has played outside they real Nico Thorpe who's one of their more veteran guys uh, who might have otherwise come in in that game he's on injured reserve so and Mitch really this was not the game to be dealing with the injury situation they were dealing with at cornerback this is one of the more prolific passing offenses in the NFL and Buffalo and they've got good receivers and uh, Stefan Diggs and other guys, uh, Brown and, and Cole Beasley, the slot receiver. And so I'm with you. Look, they, the, there was no obvious replacement for him, right? When you're talking about guys like Jason Stanley, who was elevated from the practice squad for this game, Lyndon Stevens, who ended up replacing Dunbar midway through the fourth quarter. But I, I tend to agree with you. I think that anybody else would have been better than, than Dunbar yeah. hobbling around yeah, the way he I, was. Look, I, I'm not, I don't want to beat a dead horse and Dunbar had a bad day. But there comes a time in the NFL where you identify whether a guy can play or not. And it was obvious to anybody watching in the first quarter of that game, he couldn't tackle, he couldn't stay with a receiver, he couldn't play. So I don't know any of the guys that you've mentioned or any of the backups or the guys that ended up coming in for him, but there needed to be a quicker decision by the coaching staff that 22 on this day can't play. He can't be out there. Anybody else is going to... Brady Henderson would have been a better option than Quentin Dunbar. So uh, I, I just thought they waited way too long and they let him be in the game way too long for a game that they obviously wanted to win. All right, wh what about other injuries coming out of that game? Uh, I'm assuming we're going to hear all week the Dunbar's iffy for the Rams game. Who else got hurt? in the game on Sunday. Yeah, that would be my assumption, too. And the other injuries from this game were, it sounds like, three sprained ankles on defense. Brian Monet, their big defensive tackle, K.J. Wright, and D.J. Reed, the nickelback, who's been playing in place of Ugo Amati for the past two weeks. So should we worry about the Rams game, Brady? Is this the beginning of a decline? Your overall opening remarks seem to suggest you know, dispiriting that this could be the beginning of a swoon for the Seattle Seahawks. 
it just seems like with as bad as their defense is struggling that you've got to have at least some degree of worry about any game that they play. And I know the Rams aren't having the type of season that they've had, you know, 2017, 2018, when they made it to the Super Bowl. But this is still a good offense with a competent quarterback, a very good play caller, some nice offensive weapons, and a team that's given you trouble defensively in recent seasons, even when they're even when the Seahawks' defense was better than it is right now. So, yeah, the injury situation that's obviously going to bear monitoring. But even at full strength, even if somehow Quentin Dunbar makes it back for this game, even if they have Shaquille Griffin, I mean, this defense has struggled so badly this season, even when those guys have been healthy, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you've just got to have some degree of concern. There's there's just no such thing as a gimme game for the Seahawks with the way their defense is playing. Who won the KP? In the uh, Seahawks no table. I can't remember. Who won that one? Uh, I believe that was Mitch Levy, and it was the equivalent <laughs> of uh, – there's always there's a golf equivalent for everything. I'll give you another golf equivalent okay. here. It's okay. when you, it's when you're having a long drive competition, right, and the first two guys Hit it out don't even put their tee shots in the fairway, so the third guy pulls out like a nine iron just yeah. to hit something 140 yards. That's what you did. We'll visit again with uh, you and Joe Fan and myself for the Seahawks no table for patrons uh, later on in the week and then again next week after the Rams-Seahawks game. Uh, Rams and Seahawks follow a Seahawks loss by 10. 44-34 in Buffalo to fall to 6-2. and two. However, with the, uh, the Buccaneers loss on Sunday night, the Seahawks are still in position to have the number one overall seed in the NFC if the season ended today. Brady Henderson, ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter. Thank you, Brady. Okay, thanks, Mitch. Take care. Tough one in Buffalo for the good guys. So sitting at 6-2 and two with two monster games coming up to complete the gauntlet in L.A. And then back here for the Cardinals, Brady Anderson of ESPN.com. Jordan Flowers of the Kirkland office at Guild Mortgage is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered, a great partner. And still, Jordan, an incredible time to look at purchasing, look at refinancing, because the numbers remain so low, and it looks like they're going to remain low for a long time. Yeah, it's great to be back on, Mitch. Thanks for having me back. Rates are incredibly low still for purchases and refis. They're still in the high twos right now with everything going on, and they're going to be staying low for uh, the foreseeable future. So what's the rule of thumb? You've got a listener here listening to Jordan Flowers, hearing Jordan Flowers from time to time on the podcast and wondering if it's best to pick up the phone and call him or some other mortgage person. What numbers do they need to see on their 30-year fix that would encourage them to at least consider a refinance? Yeah, I'd say still looking at 3.253375 or above is uh, at least warrants a phone call, depending on how long you've been in that mortgage. Maybe we can cut off five to seven years or just lower the interest rate with the same payoff term or look at other options as far as a new 30-year fix or pulling cash out to do some uh, home renovations or take care of some things you've been thinking about needing to do. So anything that's about three and a quarter, three, three, seven, five or higher. I think the common misconception uh, in the business is, oh, I've got to start all over. The clock goes back to zero and 30 years starts all over. That's not necessarily the case. There are a million ways to do this, including a common one, which keeps you right where you are in your mortgage. Yeah, absolutely. And it is a common thought. And a lot of companies do just have kind of your standard 20 or 30 or 15 year options. Uh, We do kind of customize that 30 year option where we can set it to any 
term of months, however far into your payment you are, we can set it at 21 and a half months, 22 months, 27 months, or 27 years, whatever they're needing, we can look at. So I want to go about the business of checking into this. How long is the phone call with you and what kind of information do I need to have ready that you're going to ask me about? Yeah, if you call in, it's probably five to seven minutes. If you've got your mortgage statement, most recent statement available, that has all the information on it for us to run some quick numbers and see if it makes sense to move forward and get a little more detailed than application in. And the phone number I call? Cell phone's 425-890-2957. Office line is 425-250-3145. An opportunity for a lot of us to save a lot of money every single month with a five to seven minute phone call he has compiled a great team jordan flowers as it's the kirkland office of gill mortgage second down at six just inside the georgia 25 play action for trask going to a wide open Florida. As a ball carrier, breaks a tackle, and powers down, reaches for the goal line, touchdown, Travis Dye, and the Ducks stretch the lead here early third quarter, but still the Irish can knock them off on this snap, rushing three, dropping eight, Louis Angelale steps up, loads and throws, it's caught, it's kicked backwards, up in the air, it's on the ground, still in Clemson's hands, and now it is down, He's back, and G's hopefully armed with a better dessert than last week. Presented by Taco Time Northwest and the Taco Time Northwest app, reminding you to order ahead. Ladies and gentlemen, here's my friend. I think, I think he's my friend. Here's Rick Neuheisel, who's advising me on uh, what I should do in Vegas each week. It's not working out the last couple of weeks, Rick. Well, it's not, but you'll recall that I did tell you Army. Yep. And, and Army didn't get to play. So while I know you want to take me to the woodshed and uh, punish me no. for some ill-advised Boise State <laughs> advice, I'm just going to remind you that I had Army. I had the Black Knights. You know when it's bad, Rick? You know when it's bad? It's bad. When I'm, picking it, when I'm going back and telling you the game that didn't Correct. get played is my Correct. pick. Yeah. When, when a good result on the weekend in the gambling sense is the game that got canceled. That, that's... <laughs> That's when it's not good. The cherry, that was the that was the Sunday. That was the ice cream. The cherry again was Boise State on the blue turf to upset BYU. That was another Jack Sears went Jack Sears went down to like 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 the first series of the game. Just wasn't right. It's it's what happens. It's why we should we should stay away from Vegas other than to just talk about it. No. We, we, we're glutton for punishments. So we'll uh, we'll come back to it at the end of the show. The big story over the weekend, last weekend anyway, Clemson and Notre Dame, you told us last week on this very show, it didn't really matter what happened. They played a couple of overtimes. Notre Dame won. Clemson gave up a lot of yards. I was a little surprised at Clemson's defense, inability to stop Notre Dame. What did you take from the game on Saturday night besides the fact that it was a thriller? 
Well, it was great theater. I mean, the game was awesome. I'm not sure if those uh, people that came in out of the stands to celebrate realized there's a, a COVID-19 <laughs> alert. But uh, that that aside, yeah, that, that aside, it was fantastic college football. And congratulations to both teams. I agree with you. I thought uh, Clemson looked spotty defensively. Now, to be fair, they were without their two inside backers. Skalski and Jones were both out. So they were doing it with some backup guys. And when, when uh, Nolan Turner, their safety went down, uh, they were also without him. And that's where that big 65-yard touchdown pass got thrown there late in the game to get the game into overtime. So uh, listen, Clemson will be healthy. Clemson will be back. Clemson will be with their quarterback when they play in the championship game. It's all but a done deal now that they, these two teams will play in the championship game. And I think we'll see a much better version of the Clemson Tigers. The concerning thing, though, Mitch, yeah. is they had 33 rushing attempts for just 34 yards. Credit Notre Dame and their defensive front seven for a brilliant, brilliant game. Because if you can make Clemson one-dimensional – you have the wherewithal to win the game, especially when Ian Book was more athletic than their front seven, which to me was shocking. The Notre Dame running back hit him for six yards a carry. The quarterback threw for an easy 300 yards. You say it's a foregone conclusion. Uh, you know, I'm finding a little disrespect for that December the 5th Notre Dame-Syracuse game, but we'll, I digress a little bit. <laughs> I guess I'm forced, and I'll, I'll be forced to ask it to you when it happens, so I'll ask it to you now and then again because I'll forget that I asked. The same question that I asked before Saturday night's game. Will the ACC title game matter? I mean, if Clemson returns the favor in a good game, and so Notre Dame goes once beaten and only loses to Clemson, with Trevor Lawrence in the title game of the ACC close, doesn't it stand to reason that both of those two teams might join, I don't know, Ohio State and Alabama in the uh, Final Four anyway? Is it possible both ACC teams get in? It is, very much so. And uh, it, was a, it was a blow to the hopes of teams like Texas A&M. It was a blow to teams like Cincinnati, uh, who right now is probably the best amongst the group of five. Yeah, this was this was a hard was one. Was it a blow to uh, Oregon? Oregon and anybody who comes out of the Pac-12. Okay. And I would say also probably Wisconsin. Okay. You know, it, Wisconsin is an interesting team because they've missed two games in a row, but yet they're a really good team. And as a matter of fact, the, ES, the ESPN computer spits them out as the fifth best choice after uh, Notre Dame and Clemson in the three and four hole. And yet Wisconsin may not even be able to play for the Big Ten title if they don't at least make the starting time in each of these next five games. So it's, it's, uh, it's precarious. It's 2020 and, and need, we need not say more, but, but uh, yeah, Notre Dame is in, is in great shape right now. Even assuming when they don't get boat raced right. in, in that ACC title game to make the college football play. Okay. Ohio state wins them all. Alabama wins them all. Clemson wins close in the rematch and wins them all. Notre Dame wins them all except for the rematch, and Oregon wins them all. Sorry, Ducks. Not going to make it. Because they're only going to play, what, six or seven games? Yeah, and they're not going yeah. to have played the same kind of schedule. One loss, A one-loss Notre Dame gets in over a Pac-12 champion undefeated team, which Larry Scott does not want to hear you say. 
No. And, yeah. and that this is why the committee should have changed the protocols for this particular year in the college football playoff. And they should have added added more teams. Heck, the NFL owners right now are debating whether or not to have an eighth team uh, added to the NFL playoffs. Should they not be able to get all 16 games in? That's just one off thinking. That's that's intelligent. Yeah. I don't think what's happening right now in college football is anything close to that, given the fact that we have so many different ki- kinds of season and so many different kinds of conferences and no one cross pollinating, if you will. <sighs> They're not going and playing each yeah. other. Yeah. This should have been the year that all of them got in. Yeah. You know, if people in Eugene hear you say what you just said, that an undefeated Oregon would not get into the national championship Final Four, if they hear you say that, they're going to take your hat away. you got to be careful that hat. <laughs> you, you love the picture with me in the hat. What is it about you and the picture of me with my Oregon hat you know, that just gives you such a, such a start? You know, it's funny. <laughs> it's funny. I don't know that I love the hat or the, the picture as much as I love your reaction every time I bring it up. That's what's funny. If you didn't react the way you did, I'd probably never bring it up again. But I love the giggle and I love the discussion after I bring up the hat. So I'm just going to find a way to bring it up in each show. That's all. Let's just say that Oregon <laughs> was impressive. Yep. We'll give them the uh, the uh, kudos for being uh, very, very good on opening night. Yep. Dispatching of the Stanford team. Yep. Remember that Stanford was up without their starting quarterback, but they look good. Remember that Oregon's crossover game, meaning the game that they'll play outside of their division, will be against UCLA that lost to Colorado a team that played with a quarterback that played tight end last year. So you're not exactly going to win the day with the, uh, with the schedule that you play. Correct. And if in fact it comes to pass that you play USC, yes. uh, who found a way to eke out a victory over Arizona state when Arizona state inexplicably, <laughs> inexplicably gave up a uh, insurmountable lead in the final closing minutes with not one, but two fourth down and touchdown passes and an onside kick that ended up in the hands of the Trojans. Again, I'm not sure you're going to win the voters approval over the brilliant victory that Notre Dame enjoyed last evening. USC, USC, you told me that Slovis was good. You didn't tell me he was going to throw it 55 times on opening night. I guess that's a function of them being way behind in the second half of the game. That and remember, Graham Harrell is a disciple of Mike Leach. Graham Harrell was the okay. quarterback okay. Yep. for yeah. uh, Mike Leach's right. Texas Tech uh, wow. Red Raiders. Yeah. So he's from that air raid type of deal. And if you're going to be ganging the box, meaning having numbers in the box that say I should throw, they're willing to do it yeah. 55, 65, 75. And uh, Slovis is going to hit a high percentage of that. The question is, what will be the yards per attempt? Because if that yards per attempt in the air raid get over seven into the eights, you're going to get beat. But if you can keep it into the sixes or even below that, which is what you're seeing Mike Leach experience now in the uh, SEC after that LSU game and everybody realized you can't how not to play them, then you can corral it and we'll see what happens the rest of this uh, season with the air raid uh, as provided by Graham Harrell and Trojans. If you and I did this weekly chat 25 years ago, we would talk about the polls every week, wouldn't we? Yes, we would. The polls have never been 
so irrelevant as they are now in the state of college football. But I got to bring it up because to me, it's unbelievable as much as I hate it. I don't like rooting for Nick Saban. I don't like rooting for Alabama. But Alabama is now number one as a result of the Saturday night loss for Clemson to Notre Dame. And I read somewhere that now Alabama has been number one at some point of 13 consecutive years. Now, you read that and you go, that's impressive. And then you really think about that. Think about that for a second. I mean, you were a coach. You know what it, you remember, I don't know, you must have been number one at some point in your career as a head coach, some week or two or three. Uh, imagine, imagine being number one at some point of 13 consecutive years. Rick Neuheisel. Incredible. Right? It's an incredible run. The ability to sustain the level of play that they've been able to sustain has been something for the ages, which is why I have zero problem calling him the greatest of all times. Now, that being said, if you watch the NFL rosters and, and you watch Sunday football, you can't watch a game where you won't be able to pick out four to 10 Alabama players amongst the two teams that are playing. Hmm. I mean, he has littered the NFL with players. And that's been his pitch ever since taking the job in Tuscaloosa when he left the Miami Dolphins in the middle of the night, right? And <laughs> saying I wasn't going and then ended him there in, in T-Town. Oh, thanks for bringing uh, that up. This is like the he, hat. You had to bring he, that up. You like bringing he, that up. <laughs> yeah, he has, he has built this program in the exact model of an NFL franchise. And that and, and the reason we we call all these analysts, right? The analysts are basically his player personnel department, which not only serve as an opportunity to provide maybe some intel for a particular game plan, but they also sit there and just pour over recruiting tape. And as they pour over it, they'll give their grades and it is built exactly in the model of an NFL franchise. And it's been now copied by very uh, many programs, but not uh, very many in the country, Mitch, can afford the kind of personnel that they afford. They can't have a staff meeting in one room. They have staff meetings in two rooms that are simulcast. It is a monster program with monster expectations and give him credit for being able to meet him now 13 straight years. The Huskies didn't play after all. Maybe for Washington, it wasn't a bad thing that they opened with an inexperienced quarterback, at least an inexperienced Washington quarterback against a veteran Cal team. It may be better off going ahead and opening with Oregon State this coming weekend. Yay? Jimmy Lake has now setting a record for the ability to hold out <laughs> the announcement of a starting quarterback. We don't know the, who's going to start at quarterback now for Washington into the second week of November. <laughs> that to me is a outstanding record. I don't know if it'll ever be broken. If he gets to Turkey day, if we get to Thanksgiving without knowing the quarterback for Washington, I will call it the greatest hide and seek trick known to man. I don't know that there's a magician that can do David Copperfield. Couldn't hide the quarterback longer than Jimmy Lake has hit him. I love that. Uh, but the, the, the facts remain the same. They did not open with Cal. I guess the, I don't know if they're even going to play. No Cal. question. This is a break. Yeah. Yeah. No question. This is a break. Cal, yeah, I think is going to be a good team. Uh, I think Cal was excited to play Washington. Obviously uh, they've got some coaches on that staff that have uh, relationships with Washington, uh, including their head coach. 
I think this works out well okay. for Washington to get Oregon State in the opener. The Beavers take one on the chin in the opener against Washington State, so this is a good time to get them. Before you whip up a dessert for us, me and my listeners, with some chopped nuts and some ice cream and a cherry <laughs> on top, before you do that, I don't know that you and I have ever discussed the whole icing timeout, icing the kicker routine. <laughs> Yes, as Virginia. This one, I'm. This one, I'm. I'm. I'm excited to talk to you about. Oh, okay. Though. Okay. Yes. Good. Virginia Tech for the audience that doesn't know or have not been uh, informed, don't know. Virginia Tech calls timeout. Uh, Liberty is lined up to kick the game-winning field goal. They call timeout right before the snap. They end up kicking it and blocking it and returning it for the game-winning touchdown, but it doesn't count, of course, because they called a timeout. And Liberty then kicks the field goal to win the game. Some coaches like to call that timeout. Other coaches don't. Some have changed over the years. I don't remember. I don't recall where Neuheisel stood on that, whether he was on a college sideline or a pro sideline. Where did you stand? How do you feel? Do you have any stories for us on this? I've got a number of stories. <laughs> this this is always, you can choose whichever way you want. I don't think there's any numbers out there that tell you there's an advantage one way or another. People say, well, I don't want to you know, take the timeouts with me. Well, the question is, does it help the kicker? Or does it not help the kicker? I was always of the mind that I would go to the referee and I would tell him, I'm going to hold my hands like I'm ready to hit this timeout, but I'm not doing it. I want the kicker to think he's going to get a free one. And then, oh my goodness, there's just that little moment. Oh, this is real to hopefully get him to be a little quick ah. with his timing you because it's much time- like a golf. You fake the I, timeout. I would go like I'm ready to, but I would tell him I'm not doing it. <laughs> Just let it go. Okay. I looks, I, it, it was the fake. Okay. Yeah, it was the, uh, there's probably a Seinfeld episode about it, <laughs> but, uh, but, but I didn't do it. And in this particular case, not only did they block the kick and return it for a touchdown only to find out that Justin Fuente, the head coach for Virginia tech had indeed froze the kicker. Then Liberty came back out on the field and hit a quick pass. So what was going to be a 59 yard field goal ended up becoming a 51 yard field goal. Correct. They took a little quick out because everybody went down the field when Liberty ended up putting their offense back on the field, thinking it was going to be a hail Mary. And they took a little easy, quick out and then went out back out there. And you know what the moral of the story is, Mitch? What's the moral of the story? You cannot freeze the freeze. Liberty's head coach is Hugh Freeze. You can't freeze freeze. (laughs) I forgot about that. Okay. You can't freeze freeze. (laughs) So it ended up being a a great day for the Liberty. And now they're 7-0. And they they in BYU, if there's – a silver lining amongst all this chaos with games being canceled and teams being, I mean, Penn state's 0 and three for goodness sake. It's devastating what we're watching, right? People can't get games in people are losing. I mean, what the heck's going on in, in the world today. But if there's a silver lining Liberty and BYU, the seasons that they put forth, given the, how hard they had to work just to get games, those two schools, Notre Dame's a, an independent as well, but they they had they jumped in along with their NBC contract to the uh, ACC just so they'd have a home and games to play. 
these two were outliers. They were out there, you know, looking like ducks above the water, but their feet were quacking underneath, like <laughs> trying to get a game just anywhere. And they both have done that and now still undefeated. I think somehow, some way we need to get a Liberty BYU game because it would be really exciting to watch. I guess, no, it's not BYU. It's, it's Army that's already in a bowl game. Okay. Uh, they're in Shreveport. You know, BYU's hoping to get uh, to greener pastures, as is Liberty, but it's 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 fun to watch those teams play. All of this analysis, all of this humor, all of these references to pop culture, be it Seinfeld or David <laughs> Copperfield, serves as a great entree. It's like a steak and potato dinner, and it's been delicious. But you know... You want <laughs> something you can take to the bank. <laughs> uh, you know that the Copperfield steak and the Seinfeld mashed potatoes... I have a little taste. I need a little sorbet. I need a little sundae. I need a little ice cream with a cherry on top. So why don't you make me for one time in your life a really good dessert? Whip me up something. Would you please, New Heisel? I'm going to give you something that you can take with you this time. <laughs> I'm going to pack you a little lunch. Okay. Something that you can take with you for the week okay. and uh, should tide you over until we meet again, again. next week. Yeah. Iowa over Minnesota. Iowa. The Hawkeyes got well. They started the season 0-2. Got beat by Purdue. Got beat by Northwestern. Both teams still undefeated right now in the Big Ten. They got well. They feasted on Michigan State, a team that had dispatched of Michigan the week before. 49-7. They play Minnesota. Now, Minnesota got well, too. Minnesota beat Illinois, but I watched Minnesota with my own two eyes I worry for their defense. We meet, we needed Minnesota to get well against Maryland. Yeah. Don't you understand? And, and Maryland, <laughs> and let, let's give Mike Loxley and young Tungavailoa yeah. credit. Yeah. I mean, they found a way to dispatch of the Nittany Lions. So I am going with Iowa over Minnesota. It's a very short line Three. inside of a field goal. Three. Let's let's go. Let's go, Hawkeyes, okay. and uh, let's get it done. Now, if you want the cherry, I need a cherry, and your cherries have been disastrous. Give me a been, cherry, would you? They please? have been brutal. <laughs> They've been brutal. But I'm ready to atone. Okay. And I'm going to give you uh, a team that looked like they were going to sputter out and just be one of those teams like, nope, not going to happen for them this year. But they found a way to right the ship just in time. And Miami came back and beat North Carolina State on Friday night behind De'Ara King. Okay. De'Ara King is very much like the uh, kid who plays quarterback for uh, Liberty, Malik Willis. Okay. So I think Miami at Virginia Tech – and Virginia Tech right now is a very slight favorite. Yes. I think Miami is your cherry. Forget the points. We'll just take them on the money. Take Miami to win the game. Take Miami to win the game. Yeah. Take Iowa to win the game okay. big. And uh, okay. you just enjoy yourself. That ought to tide you over, youngster. <laughs> I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Neuheisel, all presented by Taco Time and Taco Time's Northwest app. Remember to order ahead, and they'll have your meal waiting for you just inside the front door at your favorite Taco Time location. Rick Neuheisel, thank you, Rick. We'll talk next week. Look forward to it, Mitch. So maybe the dogs will finally get their season underway this weekend with the Beavers, who gave up 38 to Washington State on Saturday. No run defense, by the way. For Oregon State, eight yards a carry for the Cougs. It's already week 11. Week 11 of the college football season, and Washington hasn't played. Anyway, thanks again to CBS College Football Analyst and our buddy, 
Rick Neuheisel. Evergreen CEO Tyler Hay is back with us on Mitch Unfiltered. Great partner. Hey, Tyler, how's everything at our favorite Premier Wealth Manager? And kudos to you on your Lakers pick on Mitch Unfiltered and your Seahawks choice so far. So far. Long way to go in the NFL. Uh, Mitch, it's going fine. 2020 has been a year of, of one day at a time for us and probably for your listeners. So uh, we're doing great. And as far as the picks go, it's nice to get a little redemption because when I made them, I didn't feel like I got a lot of love from you. It was Homer this and oh, LeBron that. And we'll see. That defense, though, that defense of the Seahawks needs to get a little healthier, a little bit better if I'm going to go two for two. When you think of a financial advisory firm, Tyler, stocks and bonds advice and investments immediately come to everybody's mind. But Evergreen does for clients, it goes way beyond that, right? Talk to us about that. Yeah, I mean, I think when people think about wealth management or a financial advisor, they think about stocks and bonds and those types of things. But really, that's kind of in the ninth inning. You know, people have a lot of life events that lead up to the point where they have wealth that needs to be managed. So whether they're going through a divorce, whether they're selling a business, whether they're considering selling a business, whether they're inheriting money, there's a whole bunch of life events that go on prior to actually managing the money and we help people navigate those challenges far before they're actually the money's in their hands tax accounting and prep is now a layer also of evergreen golf call correct correct mitch on july 1st we closed on sterling cooter so we now have a tax advisory component to our firm so clients don't have to play quarterback in between their financial advisor and their cpa and making sure all the documents go back and forth we just handle it for them so for mitch unfiltered listeners to find out more about evergreen golf call they've heard about you for years now on our on our podcast start with the website start with the newsletter yeah they can go to the website and read the newsletter that gives them a little bit of uh, insight into how we think and then there's also a uh, a client uh, compatibility survey that, that kind of helps us identify who might be a good fit for us. Evergreen Golf Call and Tyler Hay and the whole crew with offices along the West Coast. It's terrific to have them be a partner of Mitch Unfiltered. Evergreen Golf Call, a premier wealth manager in the Northwest. Unfiltered. We all heard a little bit for Rob Huntsey, the Brentwood fantasy football player who finished in first place in last week's NFL DraftKings game that paid $1 million. But wait a minute, about 30 minutes after the last game on Monday night, the league made a stat correction on this play. They took away a sack of Jared Goff and ruled this a running play. Huntsy then fell down to sixth place. Instead of winning a million, he got $3,000. Well, it's a heartbreaking story that has been well chronicled over the last week, week and a half. I like to call it the most expensive dog walk in the history of canines. <laughs> Joining us on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline, he's giggling in the background, and it's it's nice that I hear you giggling, Rob Huntsey. Thanks for joining us on Mitch Unfiltered. Hey, Mitch. How you doing, man? We're doing okay here in the Pacific Northwest. So, all right, let's start with who you are. Who is Rob Huntsey? He's a 40-year-old St. Louis, an old Rams fan, insurance man. Tell us who you are. The Rams screwed me again, man. So, yeah, Rams fan. Cardinals fan out here. So Cardinals went to Mizzou. 
Uh, just got a new pup, Achilles, been in the news a little bit, a yeah. couple news stations. So, yeah, just trying to break through in the DFS game. And Achilles is what kind of dog? I just got a new puppy. What kind of dog is Achilles? So he's a Australian Shepherd and Poodle mix. Oh, so wow. he's not supposed to shed. So <laughs> I found a couple of hairs, so we have to have a talk about that. But. <laughs> we do a sports podcast, but I'm going to – I'm a full confession here. I'm a fantasy football player. I like to play with my buddies in the league. I have a couple of teams, a couple of leagues, but I don't know anything about these contests, these national contests that you entered. So before you tell the story, maybe you can just educate me and anybody in our audience that might be in my boat. What, what is yep. it What is it that you enter each week and where do you do that? So this was through DraftKings. I mean, there's a couple out there, FanDuel, DraftKings, and um, Basically, there's a many different contests, many different dollar amounts. There's 50-50. There's big tournaments. I like the lure of making a lot of money, <laughs> so which I kind of felt like I did, and then I didn't. But so Sunday, you got a whole slate of games, right? So you're picking uh, Justin Herbert, you're picking Devonte Adams, you're putting them together under the salary cap, playing against a bunch of people. So I definitely do that. I got a lot of stuff going. Um, but this was the only game on, you know, Monday night. So it was a millionaire maker. So it's kind of a per precipitous drop once you go down from the million, which okay. we can talk about in a minute. But okay. so there's 176,000 people playing this one game. So it's $15 an entry. You put in multiple entries and there's some strategy behind that. But it's a one game deal. Everyone's trying to make their money back. And, okay. Uh, it's okay. Tough to win. Okay. So essentially, I got it. Essentially, you're spending fifteen dollars per entry. You're given a budget before the week starts, and you pick a team, kind of like the way I activate a team. And there's particular scoring methods, and then you watch the team. And in the hundred seventy-six thousand entries, the guy or gal that has the best score for the week wins a million bucks. If they're solo, if they're not solo, they split the money. Do I have that right? You do. Well, well, it's not it's not the week it's that night so this oh, is just a monday night one showdown, game one game oh my which god which makes it more impressive what i almost did <laughs> because to have even a unique lineup with only a finite number of players for that one night and so who they do involve kickers okay so who defenses. who who was who was on that monday night game i can't remember tell me uh, so Rams Bears. It was Rams Bears Monday night. So you literally yep. on Monday picked just players from the Rams and Bears and defenses and kickers. Yep. Give us a set. How many guys? Give us a sense of who you had in that game to be able to. Yep. Yeah. Go ahead. So I'm I'm under the big boys, I guess, playing. So I do do multiple lineups and try and do some game theory and low ownership and stuff like that. So I I spent about. $645. So oh. I had 40, 40 something entries. Oh. And so the random person just throwing in a lineup is going to pick, oh, well, Allen Robinson's good or Robert Woods. And, but everybody has those players. So you kind of got to be willing to throw away money on these. Okay. And this was kind of a perfect one to do it because uh, Bears are kind of anemic. It, uh, brings in kickers, brings in defenses. The Rams aren't what they were. So it was a great um, night to do it, I thought. Mm -hmm. And so you kind of got to make a stand on a few guys. Like, So I faded Robert Woods against Fuller. I faded Allen Robinson against Ramsey. 
that kind of opened it up. At that point, it was kind of mixing and matching. And like I said, I didn't think it was going to be a huge high-scoring game. So defenses, Mm -hmm. I had two defenses. That's kind of what put me apart on that entry where I thought I won. Yeah. And, um, yeah, kind of just – Went from there, had Josh Reynolds, had Everett, okay. Goff. All right, so the game is being played. We'll get to what happened here in a minute, the nuts and bolts of it. But the game is being played. You're watching the game. You have these 40 entries. Is there real time? There's obviously some real time scoring. You're watching your oh, yeah. 40 entries play by play by play as the game is going on, and you're seeing this one entry kind of rise to the top, Rob? Is that what happened? Well, I mean, I I had a couple early assumptions, like I mentioned. So I was kind of on the ball with a lot of the entry. So I had a few up there, but most of it, you're just kind of, you know, giving it in this, this money's not coming back. Cause I had risky lineups, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they were looking good. So you don't want to get too excited at this point because any kneel down sack, non sack catch, anything can happen at this point. If you don't have the guy, and uh, Robert Woods catches a touchdown, I'm, I'm done in all those $645. So at this point, a couple are popping up. I'm watching the game just because that's what I do and it's the only thing on. But, um, yeah. And at the end of the game, the game ends, and you, you, one of your, you see right then and there, game is over, and one of your 40 entries is number one amongst 176,000 people. So I, the Bears are anemic. So I had all Rams players, five Rams players, and then the Chicago defense, mm-hmm. which is tough to do. So you figure Chicago defense isn't going to do good if you got all Rams players. But they're a good enough defense where something can happen. So I got the fumble, defensive fumble, recovery, touchdown. And at this point, I was up there. I'm like, I could be in the million-dollar spot. So it happened. I saw myself there, which I've seen in the past with the million, took a screenshot before. Exciting as hell. Start running around. Wait, um, wait a second. You've won a million before on this contest? No, no, no. I've seen my name at the million okay. on a Sunday contest before. Okay. This okay. is much different than that. Okay. So anyway, I got to charge my phone. I'm out of juice here. So <laughs> I go do that. The dog thinks I'm possessed at this point. Like I'm pacing. I'm running around. I took some more blood pressure medicine, <laughs> you know, so I got issues at this point. Anyway, um, I ended up tying with somebody because Alan Robinson and the Bears at some point had the same amount of points. So I went into a tie for maybe like a couple hundred thousand. I'm like, OK, at least I'm winning something. Then it wasn't a minute later. I got the sack and went right back in front. Oh, so oh. pretty much that whole time, I'm almost winning the million. Then at this point, just get this game over with. There was an interception. <laughs> I had Rams D. You know, everything's got to go right. Uh-huh. And it did. it did. I did it. You did. I it. did it. Okay. And so you had a million and and you're, you're, you win. In, in your mind, you've won. And you take Achilles for a walk after the game, right? I wanted to give it a minute, you know, before I started <laughs> acting obnoxious and, you know, screenshotting my boys. We had a mass text going just on our fantasy league and anyway. And I've been stat corrected before out of five grand. Um, they had the defensive had two blocked field goals. That obviously just wasn't the case. And that got rectified, you know, pretty soon after. This was not that. You know, this I gave it a minute. I took the dog for the walk. You know, then I, I finally called my parents. And I've been I've done a million of these lineups. And at this point, I'm like, I did it. I mean, it's just almost uh, becoming a reality here. So I called them, told them I was going to give them some money. Then I'm on the phone with... <laughs> 
with my lovely mother who uh-huh. I've won some money in the past. And uh-huh. she's like, how does this work? Is this real money? I'm like, mom, you know, <laughs> come on. And so at this point, I don't want to tell her that it's a done deal because she's always skeptical, but I'm like, it's done. There's like a 99% chance that I got this. And then I'm refreshing my screen at this point, narcissistically, just to see my name <laughs> next to the million. And then it changes. Uh... Oh, and I let out a guttural oh, scream. Oh, and did I go down a hundred thousand or fifty thousand? No, I went down to three thousand dollars. Oh, whoa. what happened? Sick. They changed a sack to a fumble, uh, 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 a running play, or vice versa. Right. What happened? Three yards behind the line, he got tackled. They recorded it as a sack. If it would have went to the official process. I would have been good if the I think the NFL reviews it. You know, that could be Tuesday or Wednesday, I believe. And then DraftKings doesn't retroactively go back and and take any points off. So it just had to get to this process. So at some point, someone made a decision to go ahead and change it. It's kind of a problem. I mean, it was ambiguous. You know, when you throw the challenge flag, it's got to be irrefutable evidence. You know, you got Sean McVay, the genius. I mean, we don't know exactly what he was going to do. Plus, the play got blown up. Plus, it was recorded as a sack. Plus, it took too much time to take it away from me. So, oh my god, yeah, kind of, kind of sour on a, uh, a few fronts. But how many interviews have you done since you lost nine hundred and ninety nine hundred the nine? Oh. I call it the nine hundred and ninety-seven thousand dollar dog walk. <laughs> How long, how, how many interviews have you done since then? Uh, I've done about 10 probably. I've been yeah. on ESPN2 and yeah. uh, local oh, stuff, God. a few radio stations. So but So I feel okay. You know, um, it is about the money. It's always about the money. But it was also the validation that I've actually put myself in position a few times. And I was, I thought this was my breakthrough. And, um, you know, we got to still, still get after it. But for some reason, I think that it might happen again. So I don't know if I'm too despondent. And then the the last thing is I have luckily qualified for the Fantasy Football World Championships oh. uh, for the third year in a row on week two. So I have, and that's only 200 qualifiers, and we play for about a pool of 12.5 million, I think, or I don't exactly know. But first place, you get 2.5. Seconds, 1.75, I believe. So I have a chance at redemption. Okay. So what were you I'll cry after, after that? I guess. <laughs> Rob, what were you going to make? What was going to be your biggest purchase if you had won the million? See, I never got to that point. I never <laughs> mentally put it in my bank and started to run wild because, like I said, talk to my parents was going to give them money. That's not fun for me to give somebody money. So <laughs> yeah, there was there was that. And then um, and then it was taken away and I'm like freaking out. So I really never got to that point. Pay something off. I've been wanting to go to the Great Barrier Reef and maybe watch Australian Open, Federer, Nadal play. Um, I don't know. That's a, that's about it. All right. My final question to you, since you know so much about football, is who's going to play in the Super Bowl this year, Rob? Man, who are we looking at? You can't, you gotta look at the Chiefs. And then are we gonna go Brady? Or are we, we gonna go have to with that defense? Well you're on the you're on the horn in Seattle right now. Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Jamal Adams is gonna come back. He's gonna shore up that defense. Uh, Didn't you just make a trade? Uh yeah. They got Carlos Dunlap starting this week or playing this week at defensive end against the uh, the Bills. Yeah. 
And then Jamal coming, going to get some sacks. Russ is fun to watch. He's okay. fun to bet on. Fantasy, <laughs> Metcalf, Lockett. That wins people money, those guys. So Rob, we I'm, appreciate it. Rob, I, I'm sorry that this happened to you. The world is sorry this happened to you. But you have a great uh, personality and a great sense of humor okay. about it all. Maybe something good is going to happen here. Maybe this means, whether it's football or some other aspect of life, something is going to you know balance the scales a little bit. Something good's going to happen for you, Rob. I appreciate it, man. And I just want to say I appreciate all the support. People been reaching out, especially the people that play all the time. We see each other, the guys that play in DFS. We see each other. I root for the other people that I see a lot. It'll break through. Hopefully, I'll break through again. You guys will break through. And, uh, yep, let's keep doing it. It's fun. Thank you, Rob. Great to visit with you. All right, man. You have a good one. Rob Huntsey, 40 years old, St. Louis, Missouri. Thought he had won a cool million bucks until the official score changed a sack to a quarterback run for a loss. And one dog walk later, his winnings were cut by 997000 down to 3000 bucks. Unreal. Just painful. It's always terrific to have Zeke's Pizza President Dan Black on the Zeke's Pizza Hotline and Mitch Unfiltered. Fill us in, Dan. Last time we spoke, you kind of hinted at two, one or two more locations, and now I'm hearing about a third. Yeah, I think last time we talked, we mentioned Kenmore. That one's being built and on track to open early January. Uh, we've signed two more deals recently. Uh, just signed one for Mill Creek. Uh, our Bothell franchise owners, Chad and Lauren Grembos, are signing up to do their second one, and then Mount Lake Terrace is going to happen as well. So. That'll take us up to 20 total, and, and wow. we're excited to be in Kenmore, Mill Creek, and Mount Lake Terrace. Just another indication that while it's so difficult in the restaurant business these days, you guys are, are keeping your heads well above water, right? Yeah, and you know we, we try to be careful in terms of how we talk about it because there's a lot of pain out there, particularly in our industry, and we've been able to rally around takeout and delivery. and. Pizza in general has been okay in the pandemic just because it does lend itself so well to takeout and delivery. But what has really differentiated us is our leadership in beer and in particular, the emerging consumer behavior of ordering alcohol with your pizza. And you know, as that has gotten traction, people ordering beer with their food, in particular pizza, we've talked about how people discovered pretty quickly that Zeke's is the best at it. And so that has just given us a lot of momentum, both in terms of delivering pizza and beer, but then it also has given us a lot of momentum on the franchise side. People have seen our success and, you know, they want a piece of the action, basically. I'm not a huge beer man. I'm not a, this is not a huge beer family, but I know of your list and I know of the accolades that it's received even just recently. Yeah, no, our, our beer lineup has been semi-legendary for a while and that just keeps getting higher profile. And, and what we focus on is bringing people the best beers in the Northwest. And when we focus on that, it turns out you're bringing people the best beers in the world just because we are so good about it in our home region here. And, you know, just another indication of that is the Great American Beer Festival just happened. And it's the biggest beer festival in North America. It's one of the two biggest in the world. It's where the medals that are awarded there are the most highly prized in the world. And so we had 
you know, a lot of our mainstay partners like Chuck and Nut, Frame, Bale Breaker, Rubens, things that we have on a lot, they are just all were highly decorated. I think we had 12 to 15 beers that we've had on in the past year win medals at Great American Beer Fest. And so, you know, that's just another indication of what people already know, which is when you're coming to Zeke's, you're, you're coming to find definitely the best beer in the Northwest, which means you're kind of coming to find the best beer in the world. So beer pizza straight to your door in minutes 20 locations soon zeke's pizza and a great great partner of mitch unfiltered since the beginning and i'm proud of that zeke's pizza homegrown in the northwest unfiltered episode 116 it's a loser if you're a seahawks fan but who you know, it's a long season. You're going to lose some games. I guess if you would have said, will you take six and two, I probably would have. I'm trying to think of the bright side. Well, ask Mr. Postseason if all is lost from a loss to the Buffalo Bills on Sunday. Ask him. Well, is he here, Mr. Postseason? Yeah. Oh, I'll get him. Is, is what was it? Is all I, lost? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know what the question what, is. How impactful what I was, was going to say loss? is what I, what I was going to say is if you're going to lose football games, lose games to the AFC. Right. Yeah. There's a tangible difference between losing a game to the AFC and the NFC, and I'll give you a prime example. Okay. As we are sitting here recording episode 116, the Saints and Bucks are playing. I think the Saints are blowing out the Bucks as we sit here. I don't even know, but they're playing. So before they end up having a result in that game, as they play, there are three NFC teams that are six and two. Okay. Atop their divisions, the Packers are six and two atop the North. The Bucks are six and two playing on Sunday night at the bottom of the uh, at the NFC South, and the Seahawks are six and two in the NFC West. So there's three teams, essentially three divisional winners as of today, that are tied for the first spot, the overall, the first seed in the NFC. And the first question you ask when there's a three-team tiebreaker is, has any one of those three beaten the other two? And the answer is no. Yeah. So then the second tiebreaker is, what's your record against the NFC? And because Seattle lost to Buffalo, they are 4-1 and one against the NFC, which is better than both Green Bay and Tampa. So Ooh. as of the time that we're recording this, the Seahawks not only got help from the Dolphins to stay atop the NFC. By the way, the Cardinals would have been the number one seed. In the, but the Cardinals lost to the Dolphins, so the Seahawks still win the West and are still, as of this very precise moment, the number one seed in the NFC. And the reason is because they lost a game to an AFC opponent. So there's your silver lining. If you're going to lose, lose to AFC teams. Look, I didn't know I was going to have to think on this episode. No, you don't so have to it think. It was a little early for that. That's, you know? on, that's, that's on Thursday. Now, honestly, I'm curious. So if there's three that are tied at six and two, let's say two of them had played. How, how does that work? The, the third team that's on the outside looking in. How Doesn't does that matter. It gets thrown out. That tiebreaker gets thrown out. If it's if it's three teams from different divisions as yeah. different division winners, and you talk about seeding, one has got to have swept the other okay, two. Okay, so it's a nothing then. Interesting. Okay, got it. All right. Well, hey, I'm happy. Number one seed, six to two. I'll take it. Well, Rams week. as of now, now <laughs> if the Buccaneers win on Sunday night, yeah, you know, there's a lot of ifs, ifs and buts and cherries and nuts as we're recording this. Then they're seven and two, and that they would be the number one seed. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. I know we've all been on the edge it's of our 28, seats. Twenty-eight. As we're recording this, it's twenty-eight to nothing. Oh, my, <laughs> my fat head had been blocking it the whole time, and I couldn't tell. Twenty-eight nothing. Twenty-eight nothing. So the Bucks are going to lose. There you so go. The Seahawks are going to still be the number one seed 
in the uh, in the NFC. And the Saints will have swept the Bucks. That's right. Which could be big for them. Huge. Yeah. Huge for them. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure it'll come down to it yeah. at some point. So, yeah. all right. We've all been on the edge of our seats, waiting for votes to be counted. And it's been a while, right? We have all been waiting. I'm here to say that they have been counted, actually. The National Toy Hall of Fame in New York State <laughs> announced this year's inductees. Uh, and I'd like to be the first to say, sorry, sorry. Sorry did not get in, which pisses me off because I think it's a great sorry. game. Sorry, yep. Great game. Didn't get in. Classic doll baby Nancy. Don't know who that is. Yeah. Sidewalk chalk. Don't know what that is. My daughter loves sidewalk chalk. So. No. And the game Jenga. Which I guess oh, Jenga's good. It's popular. Jenga's good. And you go to a bar and you see like that big one, like the size of this fan, like four feet Jenga's tall. Jenga's really, really good. We, a, we used to use Jenga as an analogy on the old radio show all the time. It's a good game. Yeah, the, 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 the Jenga moment, the moment where it all collapses, it all falls down. Yep. Hopefully the Bills game on Sunday, it was not the Jenga moment of the 2020 Seattle. So you're saying that talking football that I've told you about <laughs> yeah. did not make the no. Hall of Fame. Nor did Yahtzee. I know you're a big Yahtzee I'm guy. I'm a Yahtzee guy. But yeah, hey, maybe Yahtzee Play the percentages. Get maybe they'll get in next I time. I like a nice clue. Oh, uh, I just did it. Jeffrey, that was for you. <laughs> risk didn't get in. My Little Pony. I don't There's like a few risk. more. Light Bright. Light Bright was pretty big when we Light were kids. Light Bright. That didn't get in yeah. either. Yeah. yeah. Bingo. I didn't know Bingo was a... It's a, it's a game-o? <laughs> well, yeah, the game of bingo is a game, I guess. You don't Didn't think get about in. it, right? Didn't get in? Didn't get in, no. All right, real quick, congrats to championships. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame inductees over the weekend. They got inducted on Saturday night. Whitney Houston, I know you're a Whitney Loved Houston. Her. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails, Notorious B.I.G., and T-Rex. Also, super manager Irving Azoff and producer John I Landau. saw Whitney Houston perform, you know. Yeah, I was. Uh, you told me that. It Syracuse Fairgrounds, 1985. I don't know why that makes you. Laugh. I mean, she's a yeah, she is a legend, but I mean, it just feels weird for a college guy to go to that. I don't know. It's just funny. Whitney Houston. It's kind of soft, and yeah, I know, we've already been over this, but <laughs> you loved it, right? Yeah, she got oh, a great voice. No. Come on. Yeah, maybe the best voice ever. Can't argue. Not a great voice. Maybe the best voice ever. Not going to argue with you. Yeah. All right, Trent Richardson. Am I up? Oh, you're up. Oh, I'll okay. do one more quick. Okay. You see this Trent Richardson story? You remember the running back? Do I remember the running back? Yeah. 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 Okay. So he. Out of Alabama that Mike That's Holmgren right. drafted in Cleveland, right? A gun was pulled on him. Oh, I know this store. Yes. Randomly, like in a store? Yeah, at a furniture store. Yeah. And it was all captured on video. The store owner says Trent was the aggressor and that they pulled out a gun to defend the shop. Trent said he ordered a bunch of furniture. It came scratched and broken. It was just kind of crappy. Yeah. So he felt like he was getting the runaround. He called like three or four times, nothing. So he goes down there to talk to him and he... He may have got a little aggressive. Who knows? But the, <laughs> the store owner challenged him to a fight. Really? And then pulled out a gun. Really? And Trent and his buddy took off running out of the store, and you can see it all on video. So. They took off running, and he got 3.2 yards? <laughs> That's right. He actually fumbled his wallet <laughs> on the way out, too. <laughs> so, Wait yeah. a second. <laughs> <laughs> Some real ugliness there. So, yeah. all right, you're up. I'm up. It's Masters Week. I'm talking sports. You guys are, you, I mean, you're kind of talking sports. During, Masters Week. During all the election It's tough. Masters Week. Well, they had a guy on. the weirdest thing I've ever yeah. said in the month of November in my life. <laughs> it's Masters Week. I think it was the attorney general for the state of Georgia. It was somebody who was on. They were interviewing him during the election stuff. And he said, oh, th this county, home to Augusta, Georgia, where the Masters is coming up this way. Yeah, he completely plugged it during oh. the election coverage. <laughs> November is, Masters Week in November, like this coming weekend at 7 o'clock on Sunday, you know how, I don't know what your day is like on Sunday. I get up, I get myself ready for 10 a.m. football. Yeah. 7 a.m. fourth and final round coverage from Augusta National at 7 a.m. Pacific on Sunday. Is that good or bad for you? Are you excited for 7 a.m. Oh or is that kind God. of a bummer? Well. Do you wish it was like a little bit later? Oh, or, of course. Yeah, but yeah. they're trying to keep it away from football. Makes sense, yeah. 
So yeah, you're setting the alarm. November for- Masters. Uh, now, have you been? The best part of that is I have. I get. I get actually depressed is the wrong word because I don't want to use the overuse that word. But sad. How about the blues? I on Sunday on the Sunday in in April every year after the Masters is played, they they crown a champion. They give them the green jacket. Sure. It's really hokey. I know. There's something about that Sunday night and Monday. I just get the blues hmm. because it's gone. It's my favorite, probably my favorite sporting event, and it's gone for the year, and I have to wait a full year. I, mm. I have to wait 51 and a half weeks for it to come back again, and I, get, I literally get the Sunday night blues and the Monday blues. This year, it's going to end on Sunday, and then it's coming back in April. So I don't have to wait for very. It's like five months away. We're gonna. So I'm not gonna have the Masters Blues when you see me next Sunday night. But does it feel the same? Are you as excited as you are in the spring, or does it feel kind of weird? It's or a you- little different because there's a couple things that come along with it that don't exist this year. Number one, there's no patrons, no no crowd, there's oh, no yeah. no excitement in that regard. And no azaleas blooming. No, well, I don't know if they do. They bloom in November. Oh, I guess they do. I know. Uh, also, it's kind of a. It's kind of an indication that spring has arrived and summer's sure. around the corner. It's yeah. the change of weather. It's getting a little warm. We're kind of in the opposite side. <laughs> yeah, this we're time. going downhill, aren't yeah. we? Yeah. <laughs> so there are a few things okay. that leave me a little, uh, but overall, it's the Masters. Sure. It's Augusta National. It's my favorite place. It's 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 the Magic Kingdom. I mean, it's <laughs> it's your Graceland. I love for God's this. Sakes. I love this tournament. I'm so and I'm intrigued at what it's going to look like in November with no fans, no patrons, nobody there. Yeah. Have you been checking the weather at all? I mean, no. I'm sure they have, obviously. Yeah, but I think so. I went out and played softball with my daughter on Sunday. Yeah. And it was so cold. I couldn't pitch. She couldn't hold the bat. It was freezing out. Yeah. But I'm sure in Georgia, it's probably not. Probably a little warmer. So, yeah. and then if, won't it's, be a if it's not supposed to be warm, you know, they're very highfalutin and very wealthy. They'll, they'll change it. <laughs> they will. Huh? Yeah. They'll just change the weather. Yeah, make a call. <laughs> God's a member. Yeah. Yeah, he's on the first tee at 8.30 on Fridays. He's, oh, God's, is that right? God is definitely a member. How's of this game? National. Any good? He, he parts the water. <laughs> That's true. It's good for him when it goes in the in the, the pond, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can play it right out of there. All right, he doesn't need any Ben Hogan bridge. <laughs> your buddy Justin Turner is finally breaking his silence about the COVID debacle during Game 6 of the World Series. He's just very apologetic. He apologized to his teammates for failing to appreciate the dangers of the virus. And MLB also wrapped up its investigation, admitting the league could have handled the situation uh, a little better. And yeah. So he came out. He apologized. It's all good. Uh, he, uh, you know, as we know, nobody's it's just nobody's sick, right? No family members that we know of. Yeah, that we know of. But yeah. as everyone knows, he was pulled from the game from Game Six in the seventh inning, and then Middle went back the out in the field and celebrated. So yeah. he is very sorry for doing that. Philip Rivers tackled. Did you see it on Sunday? No, I heard about it on the way to your house though. Oh, yeah. What happened? The guy fumbled on his team, and Baltimore picked it up. He's on Indianapolis now, and the guy was running it back for touchdown. There was one guy left to oh, try no. to make it. Just go watch okay. it. Okay. Is it up there with Tom Brady's attempt? The, it was a meme for a while. Uh, business watch- decision? <laughs> no, not business. He just fell. Uh, out of nowhere. Really? Yeah. <laughs> fell right on his back. Oh. Nobody pushed him. Just fell. A guy who does five and seven step drops for a living? <laughs> fell. Couldn't run backwards for he a fell. <laughs> I always thought Dan Fouch was going to fall backwards on his drops. Always. He always looked like he was off balance when he was driving. Yeah, it didn't look that graceful. And the other one I would say is the fans rushing the field in South Bend after the win over Clemson. Is that a social distancing safe place? Well, people were really tough on them, but if you notice, every major city had. So it was. I mean, who are we to come down on these kids? They were doing it in every city. Like, 
What's the difference, right? I mean, who was doing it? The city of Philadelphia, the city of Washington, D.C., the city of Los Angeles. I'm, they were rushing the field? Atlanta. There was huge crowds when Biden was announced. Oh, no, I'm talking about when they scored the no. touch, when they won the game. No, I know what you're talking yeah. about, but it's hard to come down on these oh, kids. Yeah. When, oh, okay. When on the has- same exact day, they were doing yes. it in all these big cities. Yes. So, no, it's probably not safe. It, but it looks like they, a lot of them had masks on. So, yeah, no, it's. I don't think any of that was safe. The big parties on the cities. Only or- one person allowed on the goalpost at a time. <laughs> That's right. There can be one on one upright and one on another upright. And you want to get the biggest kid too. If if you want those things to come down, he's gonna yeah. You're gonna need to get some weight but up. But only one at a time. Yeah, one at a time. One yeah, at yeah. A time. Yeah. yeah. No, it, it it didn't look safe, but. That's where we are, I guess. All right, Batman was first revealed in a comic book. I've already lost Mitch. Way back in 1939, and though kids have bought it for 10 cents back then, a collector just paid $849,000 to get his hands on one of those comic books that sold for 10 cents in 1939. $850,000 for a comic book. Now, I know you're like... God, why didn't I save mine from 1939 <laughs> when I right. got it? You're the last guy who could like relate to spending that kind of loot on a comic book, right? But collectibles are going... I never had one. I don't even think I had... Richie Rich. I liked Richie Rich. Yeah, I think I might have had uh, the Archie. Archie. I had an Archie. Ar- yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, one of those... 850 grand. That's the second highest sale price ever for that particular issue. Spider-Man was my only... The, the only superhero that I related to. All right. You related to him, <laughs> did you? Crawling ceilings I like spider webs. <laughs> One of the top, so what's the number one highest selling comic book? I'm glad you asked. Superman still reigns supreme. A copy of the 1938 edition of Action Comics number one. How much? 1.5 million. Wow. People are paying. But collectibles are going crazy. Mike Trout rookie car went for 3.9 million. Yeah, I know that. I do know that. What? 3.9. A LeBron 1.8. Some guy selling the, a holy grail of collection of Patrick Mahomes cards. 7.5 million if you want the whole collection. It's all yours. I, it's just shocking that somebody would pay that. But I know. Collectibles are going crazy. Why would anybody pay that? Yeah, I, I know. $7.5 million. Yep. Do you know who Falcons fullback Kevin Smith is? No. Falcons fullback Kevin Smith is the fullback of the Atlanta Falcons. Okay, sounds good. I did the math on that, but go ahead. <laughs> he eats Chipotle four to five times a day. It's the only thing he eats. A day? A day. Whew. That's his diet. He told a radio station or a podcast. People have been... On their ear since he made that comment. He says, I go four to five times a day. <laughs> I eat the same thing every single time. Chicken, rice, and beans. Uh, 520 calories. I did the math on this. 520 calories for each bowl that he gets. He gets it four times a day. Let's say he gets it four times a day. 12 and a half grams of fat, 44 grams of protein, 62 grams of carbs. So multiply all those numbers by four. That's yeah. all he eats is Chipotle. I can sort of relate to that because when I like something, I like it. And I kind of burn myself out. I, I don't know. I... Do you have that in you where you could eat the same thing over and over and yeah, over? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think especially if I can convince myself that it's actually not bad for me. Oh, that aspect of it too, yeah. He's probably convinced himself, and maybe it is, maybe it isn't, <laughs> that this chicken, rice, and beans is really a good diet to be on. Try some eggs in the morning. You'll, you'll like it. Eggs are good, <laughs> man. Gosh, that's crazy. For, by the way, I mean, Chipotle, you know, they, they have had their issues from time to time, like yeah. a lot of restaurants have yeah. with, you know, playing with fire four times a day. I'll finish up with mine, and then you can finish up with yours. Bob Lee of ESPN, formerly of ESPN, longtime ESPN face and voice. Yeah, very famous. Is mad. Okay. Do you know why he's mad? I know they had some layoffs. 300 layoffs, and they're not filling another 200 open positions. So they're doing away with 500 jobs at ESPN after the pandemic. Hmm. Bob Lee is pissed. Trying to remain objective, quote, and unemotional as I learn of the ESPN team members laid off today, he wrote. Not possible. 
not as I see countless decades of journalistic experience and expertise jettisoned. Just when we need it most, enjoy the Disney stock price and your NFL football ESPN. Wow. End quote. Good for Bob, him. Bob Lee. Now, was he, he wasn't one of them, I'm guessing? No, he's already been go- – he, he, he retired was, or okay. – I don't know. He, he hasn't worked for ESPN last couple of years. Well, good for him for he's for mad speaking out. Too many, too many professionals, too many very talented people lost their jobs. I didn't dig into who was there any names that we'd know. I have or? not seen a list of names. Okay, no, yeah, no, a lot of behind the scenes people, office people. Yeah, that's a bummer. Hopefully that you know that will open this country back up a little bit once we get a handle yeah. on the pandemic and hopefully some. I thought Ed Werder got picked back up by ESPN. He got let go and then I think the funniest thing was. Somebody tweeted some ESPN hierarchy. I don't have the details. I wish I did. This is like a Mike Holmgren legend. You know, there was a legendary story about Mike Holmgren and Kurt Warner. Have you ever heard that story? No. Kurt Warner at one point before he became Kurt Warner, the quarterback. I mean, oh, not the running back no. that had the game-winning before, touchdown yeah. in the Orange Bowl. Not, not him. Got it. Go on. And <laughs> a day that you're loving the Dolphins, I had to stick that in there. Remember that that, that touchdown was amazing, though. Right at the corner. You remember the corner? I'm done. It's right. You go. <laughs> Sorry, Kurt Warner and. There's a there's a story about Mike Holmgren that I don't even know if it's true that before he became Kurt Warner, remember he was like an Arizona, he's like a barnstorm, he's like a USFL court, man, whatever, yeah. not USFL, but World League of America, it was like Arena Sun. League, yeah, Arena yeah, League. Yeah. He was nothing, he was a nothing. He was on the Green Bay Packers. He's like their fourth string quarterback. He hadn't made a name for himself, and they cut him. And like at a supposedly at a practice, Holmgren got pissed and said, "Okay, put Warner in," and they're like, "Coach." You cut him. He's not here anymore. <laughs> really? Well, there's a thing. That, <laughs> That's awesome. There's a thing here about ESPN. I don't have the specifics, but apparently, when they went through some round of cuts, not this one, but maybe a year or so ago, they cut off. They let off. It was a big story. They laid off a lot of. Oh, people. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the ESPN guys was like one of the hierarchy. Like, well, let's make sure that he, you know, does a better job. Whatever. And they're like, sir, he doesn't work here anymore <laughs> he was like on twitter really? talking about a guy oh. and everybody was and everybody on twitter knew and they're like okay he doesn't even work for ESPN oh, anymore he had forgotten so i mean yeah when you're just laying off that many people that many people yeah, yeah. that's a bummer for yeah. everybody all right you finish up finish up jeff bezos scored a big legal victory annihilating his girlfriend's brother in court I'm aware of this you know this whole story about so, pictures yeah, about to the pictures. National Enquirer. Yeah, pictures of yeah. him naked. Yeah. Jeffrey Bezos a and judge, his little Bezos. A judge told Michael Sanchez to take a hike, legal term, yeah. dismissing his defamation suit against the richest man in the world. So Sanchez is the brother of Jeff's girlfriend, Laura Sanchez. Uh, and I, Lauren. Uh, Lauren. Yeah, Lauren said, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Boy, you know the story, don't uh, you? Huh. So, uh, yeah. So Bezos thought that the brother is the one who leaked, leaked the pictures. The, right. And the brother says, well, you've completely ruined my name by saying The brother that. says, you want me to help you here? The brother... The, <laughs> well, I'm trying to just break it down a little well, easier Well, I here. spoke to Jeff the other day, and okay, I talked to him about the story. The brother, the brother claims that Jeff told people yeah. in high places that the brother... And so the, the brother is, was suing him for defamation. He trashed him to reporters. I mean, people, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was out there saying yeah. the brother did it. Yeah. So the judge said Michael's assertions were all hearsay. He had no proof. Bezos actually trashed him to anyone. So he okay. dismissed the case. Okay. Courts like proof, turns out. Uh, let's see. What else we got here? I think I, I got a couple RIPs. We already did. Oh, wait. Don, Delonte West. A new video is out of Delonte West. Is he riding a camel or something? Well, you know, we're kind of... a race car? What is he doing? We're kind of laughing because it's like, oh, hey, he's on a race. You know. The reclamation, yeah. He was in a shit place, so yeah, I, any video I see of him... But he was actually shooting baskets. Nice. Is yeah. he making a comeback? I, 37, I don't think so. No. But when you watch him, he's just dribbling and shooting. You can tell he was like... He, he did, of course, he didn't miss. You know, it's only a few shots, but he ain't missing, right? I mean, he was in the NBA. He just... He looked good. St. Joe's. Dribbling and shooting. Jameer Nelson. 
Yeah, it was it was cool to see that. He he looks good. Yeah. He's, I mean, he was homeless. He was homeless on the streets. It was he was gonna die. So I'm really happy. I that- thought we were at the last story. I thought the Jeff Bezos one. You're gonna. Some crack some jokes and we're going to sniff, no? Oh, I guess I could have done that, but I, I found another one. Well, we don't want to go six hours, but right. go ahead. Rest in peace to Norm Crosby, one of the top comedians. Do you know Norm Crosby? Yeah, the guy who used to butcher the language? Yeah, on purpose. Oh. Yeah, he passed away. He was big on Carson. I didn't even know he was still alive, Norm Crosby. How old was he? 93. Oh, I remember Norm Crosby, yeah. Staple on Carson and... Did Miller Lite commercials and messed up the words on purpose? That's right. Always put the wrong words in there? Sure, yeah, I remember Norm Crosby. 50 times on Carson. He was on Ed Sullivan, Late Night with Conan O'Brien. Yeah, he was survived by his wife, Joan, two children and two grandkids. Norm Crosby was still alive. That's amazing. What a fun guy to talk Half to, right? Half these guys that you give me the RIPs are, I'm like, I, I didn't know they were still alive. Yeah, Dead or Alive or yeah. Indian Food, we used to play that game. No. Yeah, yeah but it's a good game because some of them you're like, wait, Still alive? All right, I think I have... Oh, yeah. You're not going to know who this is, but this is so sad. Rapper King Vaughn is dead after a violent confrontation outside an Atlanta nightclub ended in gunfire. It was a fight. You know, fights happen with 26-year-old guys, and six people got shot, three died. And this kid, Kink Kid, he's 26, but King Vaughn, he was this up-and-coming rapper from Chicago. He was, you know, he was he was had a nice trajectory going. He was probably going to be a big star, gone at 26. So I wanted to throw that in there as well. All right, final story. Are you ready? I'm ready. I did a story a while back, if you remember, about a woman who went into an adult adult toy store and helped herself. Yes. To a toy. Yes. All right. Well, in the room, in the in like the dressing room or something. That's correct. Yeah. Thank you for remembering that. Yeah, what, I what listen a, to what you tell me. What, what a memory. Well, it turns out the men won't be outdone. An Oklahoma man. Not a Florida man? No. You wanted to change it, I did, yeah. Yeah. Gilbert Cordero pleaded not guilty to a misdemeanor charge of, it's called outraging public indecency. Okay. All right. According to a probable cause affidavit, he went into an adult toy shop and tried a piece of merchandise, which was out on display, which you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to try it and then see if you like it. It's not really how that works. 28-year-old female employee watched on a security monitor. He placed his part into the toy and began thrusting his hips. So she thought something was awry with that situation he eventually returned the device to his shelf and walked away after the worker hit an alarm they have inside the store he put it back no this one's no good i'll stick this back we got any more god the employee told police she recognized him as he previously put in job applications at this establishment cordero is next scheduled for a december 3rd hearing in district court personally I don't blame the guy for applying there. The great Mark Twain said, find a job you enjoy doing and you never have to work a day in your life. Jeffrey? <laughs> I, don't yep. th- I don't think that's actually part of the job, but you know, whatever. <laughs> it could be if no one's looking. Let's not overlook the real victim in this story. The person who actually buys the slightly used toy. <laughs> God. <laughs> kind of hard to blame the guy when you apply to jobs. They always tell you to leave an impression. <laughs> And finally, the man was quoted as saying, my mistake, I thought we were all supposed to pull together. There you go. Thank you so much. All right. That'll be appearing Wednesday at the Giggles. One day I'm going to give you my stand-up comedy story. It's Oh, I want that. Maybe, maybe 116P? Sure. Yeah, it's... It, I want that. It's... 116P, I'm oh. putting it on my list. By the way, if you have not seen the Sierra video... Mm. she's on a video she sent out a twitter i'm not making this political it's about joe biden the election whatever but that's not why i'm bringing it up she did a video with their daughter the daughter of sierra and russell wilson okay okay the daughter is adorable yeah you can't take your eyes on the daughter. 
But once you're looking at the daughter, you look into her eyes, you look into her face, and it dawns on you. And I kid you not. <laughs> she is mini Russell Wilson. Oh, yeah? More than a resemblance? Like, more than a re- <laughs> Like, this is his face. It's like if you put his face and shrunk it down a little bit yeah. and put frizzy, frizzy hair on it. Yeah, yeah. It is so adorable. you got to see it. If you haven't seen, look up, do a Twitter search, or just do a search in general. Sierra of probably, C- yeah. Sierra's little video that she sent out with her and her daughter celebrating Joe Biden, okay. whatever, and just look into that face, and you tell me you're not looking <laughs> into a guy who threw two interceptions or three interceptions and a couple of fumbles the other day. You ever seen those things called jib-jab videos? Yeah, 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 yeah. So they put their face that's on That's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. does it look like somebody put, like, Russell's face on her? In well, a way? no, it's a little bit more real. <laughs> It's just his face. It's unbelievable. All right, I'm looking. The, the it's unbelievable how how much this little girl looks like her father. That's funny. Anyway, C R C I A R A. If you want to go look C-I-A-R-A. her up, C I A R A. Yes. Right. All right, Alex Trebek. Yeah. Episode Alex. Yeah, we should rest in peace, man. I know. It's, it's weird because did you ever see the Saturday Night Live Jeopardy they used to do? Oh yeah. And, and it now was Sean Connery and him are gone. Yeah, it's, it, it, they're weirdly connected, even though yeah. it, they've never probably met or you know. Yeah. But it's weird having both of those two gone, even though it was from a sketch amp. That's a tough one. Too bad. Rest in peace. Episode 116, ladies and gentlemen, in the books.